Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Sorry about the delay here, folks. This is not playing. Here we go. God, and welcome to another edition of the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Lake, and this is episode number 38. In today's episode, we have the special guest, Johnny Sercusi, who is the author of Illuminati Unmasked. And uh, I have begun seeing it all over Facebook that people are beginning to tie his book and mine together. And uh, I think he took some references that I made in my book, you know, and that God, God didn't necessarily have me go into this because I think he already knew that he was working on Johnny and Johnny was doing this project. And so, Johnny, welcome to Biblical uh, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing today. Thanks, Dr. Lake. It's an extreme honor. I really appreciate it. And what I want to do, you know, and, and someone who has never written a book, doesn't know the terror that can grip your heart when you're doing an interview and you have put so much information in a book and it's like, oh my gosh, I have got to remember 900 pages of materials. And so what I want to do today is uh, just to do a, carry on a conversation as, uh, as two fellow researchers that have dug into these things. And uh, I want to give you the freedom that if 
you don't remember, just say, wait a minute, let me look it up, and we'll simply go back and edit out the dead airspace because I have had to do that many times with my short work of only 400 pages. Thanks, Dr. Lake. I, I often am kicking myself for putting out a tome that's basically 900 pages long with, with 2,000 citations, and I, I tease people. I use my friend Freeman Fly as an example and say that uh, my book tried to cover everything from – uh, Nimrod to Akhenaten to JFK to Barack Obama, and if you believe what Freeman Fly has got down in his uh, thesis on cloning, then we're going right back to Akhenaten again. So it is a tremendous amount of information, but it's critical because it's, and the reason why I included 2,000 citations is that anybody can have a harebrained scheme or, or uh, idea it's so important to take outside sources that uh, we accept, so-called mainstream sources, and put together the picture, the puzzle, based on those sources so that people can see this is not just an opinion. These are names and dates and places that are, are referenced in the historical uh, record, and we can do that. Even though we're talking about the dragon, the system of mystery Babylon, that w tries very hard to cover its tracks and does so on a regular basis, it still is forced to allow things out, and, and that's what a good detective does, a good researcher, a good author. Dr. Lakers finds those keys, those clues, and puts them all together. And, and, and I like to use a reference from a secular movie. I don't recommend any Christians go to, any, to watch any secular movies, but if you're grounded, sometimes you get bored, you watch especially science fiction, science fantasy, uh, and the, uh, the the Chronicles of Riddick with, with, with Vin Diesel, there's the scene in uh, the second movie where he's captured by mercenaries and brought to this prison planet, and the prison planet is run by a bunch of Russians. I'm not quite sure how they got in outer space, but the uh, the Russian leader has his his uh, lieutenant, Anatoly, and Anatoly has a nose for trouble, and that's, that's what we want to use in our, our research to look at something and say, this doesn't sound right. Um, the uh, Airbus 320 that was brought down in Europe recently, there was something that didn't sound right about that. It could be that maybe uh, CERN or magnetic anomaly was involved. The fact that we now have a, um, a death count of 5,000 people in Nepal, something does not sound right about that terrible, terrible incident, Dr. Lay. It did not. I think what we're seeing um with, you know, with God putting what he done in my heart and, and you and there's so many others, is God is beginning to raise up intelligence officers. Both of us are military, and we know exactly what that is. When you, uh, when you have the enemy is basically playing the Game of Thrones where you have intelligence agencies that are scheming, conspiring, covering it up, misdirecting, uh, you have to have the counterpart over on the other side. I know when I was in the military and, and stationed at Würzburg, uh, we were just 20 minutes by air from uh, communist Germany. And so our guys were working overtime to make sure that we could sniff out what the enemy was doing and be prepared. And I think that's what God's doing today. Uh, and then, and, then, and, and that's the, we could go right into the, the sick game that was played on us, on America, in regards to communism. Communism was the, uh, the one-two punch that was used to bring America to where it was, and, and the Jesuits were completely behind it the whole time, from as far back as... Uh, as, as Thomas Aquinas and Summa Theologica, Theologica uh, and, and his treatises on the, the common uh, uh, property, no one should own anything that left into the, uh, 
reductions, the reductions in uh, Paraguay, Argentina, Brazil, Bolivia in the 18th century, the late 1700s. The Jesuits uh, basically slave labor camps there in South America where they put together the, the, the tenets of, of communism. And uh, it's interesting to note that social justice came from the Jesuit theologian uh, Luigi Tapro di Azaglio. And so they, they put these tenets together and they uh, picked one of their, uh, you know, I, we were talking before the show started of, of, of how the, the Vatican, the Jesuits like to pick Jews to put out in front to do their skullduggery behind to create a screen of anti-Semitism to make people get emotional with hatred. And that's what they did with Karl Heinrich Marx. They chose him while he was in basically grammar school in the Catholic foothold of Trier in, in Germany, in Protestant Germany at the time, that's the foundation of the Protestant Reformation. And they chose him to, uh, to be their emissary for, for this demonic doctrine. And uh, ex-Jesuit Alberto Rivera told us that uh, it was during his time at the British Museum where it's of historical fact that uh, Karl Marx came up with communism while in a private secured reading room at the British Museum. Well, why was he in a private secured reading room? Why wasn't he in his study where people could come to him, ask him questions, see what was going on? Well, that was because the Jesuits were spoon-feeding Karl Marx, the tenets of communism. And then they turned it over to other uh, uh, Jews that would be the front men in the, uh, in the secret police in, in Soviet Russia. And, and this was because that uh, uh, Russia had been an enemy to the Jesuits. It's, it's interesting to note that wherever the Jesuits were around the world, the countries where they had sent emissaries, they were kicked out again and again because they were found to be subversives that were trying to overthrow the sovereign governments of, of those nations. So even in Catholic nations in Spain and Portugal, the uh, the, the, the sovereigns there went to the Pope and said, listen, we're yours. Get these Jesuits out of here. And as a result, uh, um, Alexander II threw the Jesuits out in, in 1820, and that marked the death knell for Russia. And they used their, their, their puppets, particularly uh, uh, J- uh, Joseph, uh, uh, his, his real name is Yosef Bushkashvili, Joseph Stalin, who was educated in the supposed Orthodox seminary in Tiflis. It was run by the Jesuits, and that's unfortunately Jesuits have thoroughly infiltrated the Orthodox Church, and that's per uh, uh, Stalin's biographer Emil Cohen, changed his name to Emil Ludwig. He was there and, and was, it was completely uh, trained by the Jesuits, and he became their, their worst um, smart weapon to beat down the Christian Slavs of, of Russia and, and wreak the havoc that they wanted to with, through, through the, the beast of communism. Absolutely. I think one of the things to maybe help the listener, I kind of want to go back to the beginning. You know, where where did the Jesuits start? What was the vision? In fact, what were they going to be called before the Pope said, no, I don't think we want that. We'll, we'll do, you know, the, the Society of Jesus. Tell us a little bit about the, the founder of the Jesuits. You bet, Dr. Lake. So we, we have, when, let's go to, to the cross. When Christ gave up his spirit, he said to Telestai, it is done. The curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner courtyard, the 60-foot massive curtain ripped from top to bottom, 
organized religion was dead. The only God-breathed organized religion that was handed down to Moses was no longer necessary, was no longer needed, and it couldn't get the job done anyway. Organized religion was dead. Now we had our own emissary, the one that we could go through, our, our own advocate in Christ Jesus, Yeshua and Nazareth. And mankind was freed by his blood that was shed on the cross. 300 years later, a religion was started on the blood of the cross because it, is, it was too powerful not to exploit religion and, and a priesthood. The uh, Emperor Constantine believed that he had a vision, and honestly, Dr. Lake, I'm not quite sure where I want to go with, with Constantine, whether it was a true vision or he was just a particularly savvy politician. No one can argue with the reforms that he made. He made uh, slavery almost non-existent. He stopped child sacrifice. He stopped the persecution of the Christians. He yes. called the well, yes and no. Right, he stopped persecution of Christians as long as they came under his banner. Uh, I, I, I think he was an occultist, and he did what uh, things of occultist fashion. In fact, I've talked to several experts that have uh, read his account uh, in the original Latin and have said that what he saw was not a cross but an ank. Sure, entirely possible, and uh, and that's the way the Lord works. The Lord will use. Uh, uh, workers in the black arts to, to do his will if, if that's what his plan is. It wasn't until Theodosius, however, that the Christianity was made into the uh, religion, the state religion of the Roman Empire, and that's when it became a syncretistic mix of Chaldean paganism with the trappings of, of Christianity. Which, so, which is what the occult always do. Absolutely, to, to feed off of the truth. So then we started to build this this terrible beast that created fabrications like purgatory and uh, and, uh, brought the priesthood back and used priests as as go-betweens and uh, the the confessional that you, instead of what James says, you you don't confess to the one you wronged, you confess to a priest. And of course, this was greatly exploited and abused by the Catholic Church and later used as a, as a weapon by the Jesuits in particular for uh, leaders and, and sovereigns all around the world to gather intelligence. So we had these uh, uh, terrible crimes going on. The celibacy of the priesthood that uh, grew into terrible crimes with children and, and prostitutes. And there were good men throughout history that, that tried to take a stand, William Tyndale, um, and many others that tried to stand against the, the the church and were unsuccessful. Most were burnt to stake, tortured. It wasn't until Martin Luther in 1517 nailed his 95 Theses to All Saints Cathedral in Wittenberg that it finally was the shot heard around the world. And uh, another crime that the... Yeah. The Rome that, that the Vatican had created. And it's funny because when secular people always try to bring up crimes of Christendom and, and, and Christians, they, they bring up the Inquisition, they bring up the Crusades. Those are not crimes of Christendom. Those are crimes of the Vatican. Exactly. So uh, Martin Luther nailed his 95 Theses, bringing these on. One of the first things he did was he fixed the issue of 
the Vatican and the Pope's making the word of God unreadable to the common person, that it was only to be translated in Latin and then to be kept amongst the church leadership. And, and one of the first things Luther did was to translate it in, in, the, in the German tongue and disseminate the word of God. And there was, was reborn true self-determination, that the idea that we are accountable to Almighty God through the sacrifice of Christ and the moving of the Holy Spirit for our souls. And we, there are no intercessors except for Christ Jesus. And it was this amazing idea that we, we, we birthed uh, self-determination. Up until that point, the world was run by feudalism. Uh, the super elite, the 1%, uh, truly Luciferian elite at the very top. Then you had the aristocratic class below them. Uh, and then you had the Praetorian class, the knights, the military, to, to keep the peasants, the, the peons and the campesinos, the, folk, the farmers, all in line to feed the parasites that were further up the chain. It's, it's, it's literally a, a, uh, a Plato's Republic. Absolutely, and, it, and the Jesuits brought Plato's Republic back because uh, Plato fixated on how the individual is subservient to the whole and to government. And, and so that's why Plato, and particularly the Republic, is now considered a classic when all it does is, is really promote statism. So the, the, these ideas, uh, this revolution and the Protestant Reformation fed the minds of, of uh, Montesquieu, Hobbes, and Locke. These are the individuals that educated the, the founding generation. And, and yes, there were Masonic influences, there were Enlightenment influences, but the chains of feudalism were broken, and self-determination was born, in particular in the Great Experiment in the United States. And it was through the Great Experiment, the Articles of Confederation and the Constitution, that these ideas were, were written down into law, law of man, and, and not uh, law of, uh, uh, rule of law and not the law of man. The idea that the common man could own property and defend it with a firearm was revolutionary. Nowhere in the world had that been uh, uh, truly part of an entire national attempt. And so ever since then, from the very beginning, the, the Catholic Church has had a counter-reformation an attempt to destroy self-determination and crush the middle class. And that's what happened only 17, 17 years after the Protestant Reformation. A young Basque noble by the name of uh, Ignatius of Loyola was a, uh, basically a soldier who uh, wanted glory in battle, but he was wounded in, in fighting the French, and his legs were shattered, and so he had to convalesce, and he drew to... Catholicism and decided that that is where he was going to redirect his, his efforts of martial glory is to work for the Pope to crush the Reformation and return Jerusalem to the Pope and his uh, original intent was fixated much more on Mary. He is said to have a vision of Mary with the Christ child and this goes back all the way to the beginning of the great rebellion of mankind, Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz, is the perversion of the, the eternal truth that we know of Christ and his, his miraculous virgin birth. What you do is when you fixate on the child, you can now see the parent, the mother, as the adult. And if you're looking at the messianic child, then you don't have an adult relationship with that child. And so you're distracted by that. And that's where the, the worship of Mary has risen up. 
of Semiramis and of Isis. That's where those roots are. And Loyola believed that he had a, a, um, uh, a seminal moment while bowing before the uh, Virgin of Montserrat, the Black Madonna. He laid down his sword before her and said he would um, uh, dedicate his life to, to her and to the Mother Church. And so he worked in 1534 to bring together uh, men uh, of, of like mind in Paris, France, and uh, that's when he came up with the idea of the, uh, of the company. And he was allowed to bring this before the Pope in 1540, and hence was born the Counter-Reformation through the, the, what became known as the Jesuit Order, the Society of Jesus. But uh, as Xavier University, I just picked this up this morning, Xavier University tells us Mary was the hidden catalyst behind this movement of the Jesuits. Yeah, and originally he wanted to call the order the Illuminated Ones. <laughs> and uh, the Pope Of course, rejected. and that leads right into who the Illuminati are, that there was such an outcry uh, of, of uh, sovereigns all around the world that these Jesuits were insinuating themselves all over the world and trying to overthrow uh, sovereigns, kill them, assassinate them, uh, insinuate themselves. They were... Uh, eventually were disbanded. And it was uh, Clement XIII that had it on his mind to disband them. And right before that happened, he got depressed. He was assassinated. And so uh, Clement XIV came to power, and after due consideration, he decided to carry on the efforts of his predecessor. And in 1773, he disbanded the Jesuits. He, too, was assassinated and poisoned so horribly that his body began to decay while he was still alive. That's how vicious the Jesuits were. So um, this and, happened in and 1773, and the Jesuits removed and repaired to Moscow in an attempt to uh, uh, coalesce their forces. And, and I'm afraid to say that uh, Captain the Great, who was a friend to the American Revolution, was also unfortunately influenced by the Enlightenment, allowed the Jesuits to take hold there in Russia. And so they realized that they needed to now more than ever use intrigue to, to further their agenda. And so in 1776, they took another supposed Jew named Adam Weishaupt. Weishaupt was a Bavarian Jew who converted to Catholicism. He was educated by the, the Jesuits starting at the tender age of seven. He spent so much time with the Jesuits that he eventually began to teach canon law at Jesuit Ingolstadt University in Bavaria. And I am convinced at this point that he was actually secretly ordained a Jesuit priest. You don't teach, Dr. Lake, canon law, which are the actual legal precepts of the Roman Catholic Church, unless you have a deep, thorough understanding and knowledge of Roman Catholicism. And anyone that talks about the so-called Illuminati and doesn't mention this tie-in, I think is either unfortunately um, uneducated, ill-advised, or working for the Pope to, to help distract people, because uh, Adam Weishaupt was basically a Jesuit. And so he came up with the, uh, uh, the idea of the Illuminati. And um, on May 1st, one of the, the, the premier uh, black magic days uh, in the calendar of, of, of witchcraft in 1776, and so many people wonder, well, what, what was going there? Is, there? is there a tie-in with the birth of America in that same year? Well, the, the effort there was to further the Jesuit agenda by intrigue, hence the, the birth of the Illuminati. Yeah, I, I have wondered, 
in, in my own research, I think that the Jesuits didn't necessarily uh, were at the beginning of the founding of Freemasonry. I think that they, uh, they with the Enlightenment and everything, that it, that kind of was a, a product of itself. Absolutely, Dr. Lake. I don't want to cut you off, but I've got great material on that. I've come up with this, that from the very beginning, they understood the Freemasons also to be a tool. Freemasons bowed to Lucifer, uh, to uh, Prometheus, the giver of of light and knowledge. And, of course, as we Christians know, the knowledge makes arrogant, but love truly edifies. Mm -hmm. So they use Gnosticism to uh, to do any secret society is evil. Why do you work in secret? Because if yeah. what you do became known to the public, the public would not be happy. So therefore, you clearly are malignant. From the very beginning, there was a battle for the control of Freemasonry. Oh, exactly. And, and I'm not saying it wasn't malignant. I'm just saying they didn't have necessarily have control of it at first. But Weishaupt and the Illuminati was the mechanism they used to bring it under Jesuit control. It was, it was a big part of it. And, and in fact, in 1688 after the, the Glorious Revolution, where, where Rome was overthrown in Britain, and, and James II of Britain, James VII of Scotland, ran to Jesuit Claremont University in Paris to further insinuate the Jesuits and take over Freemasonry in an attempt to reinstall the Catholic House of Stuart in England. And it's so hilarious when I see uh, young kids getting involved and trying to fight back the, mach the machine by putting on a Guy Fawkes mask, who was Guy Fawkes from the, the, the V for Vendetta, remember, remember, the 5th of November, he was a Jesuit assassin. The gunpowder powder plot of November 5th, 1605, was an attempt to destroy half the House of Lords to murder James Parson, James I, and reinstall uh, the Catholic rule in Great Britain. And that was ever since then that um, uh, a... Um, uh, a, a uh, um, oh, what do you call it? When, when, when you burn effigy, an effigy of the Pope had been burned on, on that date in England to the point where the poor English no longer know what the effigy was, and now it was turned on its head by these papal puppets, the Wachowskis, that, that was the brother-brother team of the Wachowskis, and now it's the brother-sister team of the Wachowskis after Larry's gender reassignment to become Lana, and that's what we have to remember every time you want to serve the machine, that's what they do to you. The same brother-brother-brother the same brother, sister team that came up with uh, the Matrix and V for Vendetta, they're telling you who they are and what they did, and there's been a battle to take over the Freemasons ever since then, and to, to this day, unfortunately, the Jesuits have completely taken over Freemasons, and Freemasonry are, are the foot soldiers of the Vatican of Rome. So they pretend that they're at odds and they're mortal enemies, and in reality, all throughout history, there are great examples of uh, Catholic Freemasons. One example is uh, Pierre-Charles L'Enfant, who was chosen by uh, Pierre-Augustine de Beaumarchais to be a, a papal insurgent here, in America, the, the great architect of Washington, D.C., one of the most Freemasonic cities in the world. He was a member of Holland Lodge No. 2 in New York City, and he was a, a, a devout Catholic. And it's funny, uh, uh, Dr. Lake, what got him uh, fired, General Washington fired him personally, it's because as he was working on creating Washington, D.C., he plowed over a house. Whose house did he plow over? He, housed, he plowed over the house of the Carroll family. The Carroll family was an extremely powerful influence 
on uh, Revolutionary America, and I think it was John Carroll. Charles Carroll was like one of the only signers of both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and I believe it was John Carroll that was a Jesuit himself and founded Georgetown University, the center by which the, uh, uh, the Jesuits control America. So many of their, their uh, puppets have, have uh, graduated from Georgetown, from uh, CIA Director George Tenet, who was the architect of 9-11, to uh, uh, Bill Clinton. And so um, uh, quickly back to Leon Font, who, who was a, both a Mason and a Catholic, uh, created the, the, the amazing Masonic uh, architecture of Washington, D.C. Uh, you go a little bit further on, and another interesting individual comes up as both a Mason and a Catholic, John Wilkes Booth, the supposed lone gunman behind Abraham Lincoln's assassination. He wasn't a lone gunman. It was a, basically a papal plot, and, and there, the cabal included the Surratt family. A proof of, of Jesuit education, anyone that gets in, the few kids that know anything about the, uh, the Lincoln assassination only hear about John Wilkes Booth. They never hear the name of, of Surratt. Uh, Mary Surratt provided the home. Her son, John Surratt, was a, a studying to be a, a Catholic priest. They were all in it together. It was, it was, a, it was a papal plot. And uh, John Wilkes Booth was a member of Albert Pike's Knights of the Golden Circle and a Catholic. And uh, uh, it is um, uh, actually believed by a, a, name by the man of, a man by the name of Ennis that um, Wilkes Booth was never executed. And he was allowed to go, to go free through his Masonic and Catholic circles and died several years later. It is a historical fact recognized that John Surratt left the country, fled the country, was uh, um, uh, secreted out by Catholic emissaries, at one point disguised as a Catholic priest, ran through Rome and was eventually captured in Egypt, came back, and uh, under trial was pronounced a mistrial. He went free. So uh, these... these um, Connections is truly disturbing when you see the amount of harm the, Jesu- the, the, uh, the Freemasons have done, and then you put them together with the Jesuits and say, at this point in time in our history now, the Freemasons are the foot soldiers of the Jesuits. It's absolutely all sewn up. Everything that, that, that is evil and going on in the world, you can either trace to a Jesuit or a Freemason. You know, I think as we look at this, because, you know, there, there are so many conspiracy theories out there, and there are so many different esoteric organizations that I think the Jesuit task was twofold. Number one, it was a counter-reformation to destroy what the Protestants had done. And, and for the listener out there, what, one of the things you need to realize is the concept of having a middle class is a byproduct of the Protestant movement. Where there is no Protestant movement, there has never been a middle class. And so as we see Protestantism beginning to wane and come back under uh, Catholic control, because we have so many of them running back into Catholicism, the middle class is shrinking by the day. Uh, But really, I I think what you're doing here, John, is you're showing us everything esoteric, everything occult is is like opening up or, or cutting through an onion. And so you can have the Rosicrucians, you can have the OTO, you can have a myriad of different occultic organizations, but what you're dealing with in your book is the center of the core that is controlling everything. They not only infiltrated to bring down the Protestant movement, but they also, because the concept of a universal church, is I believe that one of the things that was in Constantine's mind was to unify all occultism with a Christian veneer. It's just going back to the, the outer, the outer 
uh, coding will be Christian or seemingly Christian, but the inner core is is occult. And I think they, they have done that with all esoteric societies in one form or fashion today is under the control of the Jesuits. Amen, Dr. Lake. And, and that's, um, I'm going to take a minute and look up the details on this because ecumenicalism, uh, oh, there we go. Kenneth Copeland, the uh, supposed Pentecostal megachurch leader who had been given a, a personal message from Pope Francis by Pope Francis's uh, emissary, Bishop Tony Palmer, to give to uh, Protestants on the ecumenical movement. And uh, Bishop Tony Palmer tells us that the, the protest is over. There's no need to get into doctrine. We'll, we'll get through the doctrine later. The, the protest is over in our ecumenical movement. The idea that, that we're all one big, happy Christian church was recently expounded. And, and we have uh, uh, people like uh, Copeland and, and uh, the, the now, unfortunately, now passed away. Uh, Bishop Tony Palmer, and honestly, there there could be some evidence that that uh, Tony Palmer was was assassinated and, and and murdered in his motorcycle accident because that is the the calling card of the Jesuits. Uh, I found influence that Tony Palmer was close to Jorge Mario Bergoglio, possibly um, in an intimate fashion. And to close up uh, loose ends, he was he was murdered, and it was shortly after that that um, Pope Francis said. Oh, I, I will be dead myself in two to three years. So who knows what was going through him, his mind, whether he, he felt that uh, he had been targeted by his, his, his own um, company. I, I, I doubt that. He certainly is, is part of the inner circle there. He is now. It's fascinating to note, um, as, um, as your friend uh, Dr. Tom Horn noticed that, noted in, in several of his recent books that uh, um, uh, Pope Benedict, formerly of, of the Nazi youth, uh, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger was the first pope to step down in 600 years. Uh, most of us believe that he was given a, uh, a deal he couldn't refuse. And in his place stepped Jorge Mario Bergoglio, a man proven to uh, be true to the machine through the dirty wars in Argentina, who almost certainly worked in uh, trafficking of narcotics and human beings and children. And uh, I, I commend the, the work of Kevin Annette in, in these crimes. So he rose to, to become our, our, our new pope now. Interestingly enough, in the Jesuits, the Jesuits have their highest uh, leader is called the Superior General, showing you what a military organization it is. That's the, the recently that Superior General there, Peter Hans Kolbenbach, who was an expert in Middle East affairs, who some uh, researchers believe was, was the brains behind the, the, uh, the PSYOP, the terrible thing that happened on September 11th through the, the, the Jesuit insurgents here in America. Peter Hans Kolbenbach stepped down, and Adolfo Nicholas took his place. And so now we have basically four popes, two white popes and two black popes, and the, the Superior General is called the Black Pope because – they secretly run Rome and the Vatican, and they also like to walk around in the supposed humble black cassock of a common priest. And four popes, and of them, three of them are Jesuits, Dr. Lake. It's scary. <laughs> um, 
they have a long reach, Dr. Lake. They have a, a very long reach, and, and that's the part of what I wanted to prove in um, uh, Illumina, Illuminati Unmasked is that America is a captured operation. We deal in these things that are absolutely insane. The policies of the American government are so poisonous to the American people, it makes no sense unless you understand that America has a terrible a malignant parasite that is bleeding her out. Um, you have no greater uh, example of left-wing politics than Nancy Pelosi when she was uh, installed as Speaker of the House in 2007, she had the invocation done by her mentor, Stephen J. Privet of the Society of Jesus. She installed the first Catholic chaplain, uh, uh, Adams and Jefferson, rolling over the graves because they were likely murdered by Jesuits, Daniel P. Coughlin to be the house chaplain. Um, so John Boehner, Jesuit trained John Boehner from Mary Moeller High School and uh, Xavier Jesuit Xavier College, oh, he stepped on in to be the other side. He was the, um, the opposition party, and he was going to take over for the Republicans. They gave each other a kiss when they took over, and Boehner turned around and installed the first Jesuit house ca- chaplain, Patrick J. Conroy. And it's, it's all a show. And I, I was even thinking about all the um, drama that we're seeing, uh, you know, with Obamacare and how that they came out against the Catholics over, over abortion. Well, you know, it was shortly after that. Now the Pope is saying, well, that's not really such a big issue that we need to fight about anymore anyway. Oh, it's, but, it's, it's all the show. Dr. Lake, you hit it right on, right, right on the head. When they brought uh, uh, Obamacare to the Supreme Court, John Roberts had started to write his, uh, the, the, the decision against Obamacare being constitutional, and then suddenly he wrote another decision for Obamacare being constitutional. Well, it turns out that John Roberts is almost certainly a member of, of Opus Dei, as are several of the uh, uh, members of the Catholic Church, of the uh, Supreme Court. Rather, we have nine Supreme Court justices, and of them, six of them are Catholics, and three of them are, are left-leaning Jews who are almost certainly put there as um, uh, uh, targets for us to be angry at. John Roberts, a member of, of Opus Dei. Uh, this is from, let's see, Daily Coast, but they actually have a good reference here. It is widely known Supreme Court Justices Antonin Scalia, Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas belong to Opus Dei, and Chief Justice John Roberts may also be a member. David Matthew Fox, former priest and progressive theologian, author of more than 23 books. So John Roberts suddenly decided that uh, Obamacare uh, is... Uh, is constitutional, and again, the hard left communism, this comes from the Vatican, from Rome. They want that control, socialized medicine. So what did John Roberts, member of Opus Dei, do right after he betrayed his oath to the Constitution? And by the way, for some reason, uh, uh, Dr. Lake, they're still afraid of oaths, particularly oaths on the Bible. That's why Roberts purposely flubbed his oath with Barack Obama uh, on, on the White House lawn. Interesting that they did that to, to support and defend the Constitution, and for some reason they, they had a problem saying that. So Roberts, after he came up with that treasonous uh, uh, decision, and Catholic handler Joe Biden, who's uh, Barack Obama's, as I said, his handler, whispered, oh, this is a big effing deal to Barack Obama as he signed it, because it was that much of a terrible destruction. Where did Roberts go? Associated Press, uh, uh, also Newsmax. John Roberts runs to the island fortress of Malta. In the wake of his decision to vote upholding Obamacare, Chief Justice John Roberts joked, 
The now Supreme Court has finished the session. He will go to the impregnable fortress, island fortress in Malta, where to be also knighted as a knight of Malta. Hello. After doing the, 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 board, the, uh, the Pope's uh, uh, the bidding here. That I didn't know. Absolutely. Knight, the Knights of Malta, the sovereign military hospital order of St. John of Jerusalem, of Rhodes, and of Malta. If you throw in the Knights of Malta, the Knights of Columbus, in uh, membership there, Opus Dei, the Catholic Church has it all sewn up. We talked about um, uh, the OTO, the uh, Ordo Templi, uh, uh, Templi Orientis. What is that basis based supposedly from the Knights Templar? Who did the Knights Templar serve? They served the Vatican, the Rome. Uh, um, and um, uh, Crowley was, was real big into this. He came up with the idea of the Aeon of Osiris, meaning the, uh, the epoch of uh, Father God, and the Aeon of, of Isis in the, in the uh, Mother Nature and Harmony of the Earth, finally to be brought out with the Aeon of Horus through his sick, perverted, uh, workings that he conducted with drugs and perverse sex to, to usher in the Aeon of Horus and to bring out their satanic messiah. There's 12 degrees in the OTO. The seventh degree is the illustrious Knight Templar uh, of the Order of Kadosh, companion of the Holy Grail. That doesn't sound secular or Freemasonic. That sounds awful papal to me. The eighth degree is the perfect pontiff of the Illuminati. That sounds very papal to me, Dr. Lake. Well, I mean, you can trace back even the uh, the rise of, of Nazi Germany to the all the way back to Rome. Absolutely, absolutely. That's what they wanted. In fact, uh, um, Hitler himself he was an illiterate. He was hand guided. The the, um, the Catholic Church birthed both Nazism and communism to play off against each other to create their environment where they can punish their heretics. And what they do is they they create this. Hegelian dialectic, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. And when they tap into nationalism to ride some of their, their demonic agenda, the nationalists will always fail. They will always be betrayed and thrown to the wolves. And that's what happened to, to Nazism. They were never meant to, uh, to succeed. Uh, and so they were put, madmen were put at their, their top. The uh, Jesuit Bernard Stamfel wrote Mein Kampf for Hitler because he was an invalid. Um, Pius XII was instrumental. He was actually called Hitler's Pope, instrumental in the rise of, of Nazi Germany. And so they played off against each other in Nazism and communism to help uh, uh, punish the, uh, the so-called heretics, particularly the Christians. Uh, this is brought out in how the Jesuits were reinstalled after their, their dis, uh, dissolution in 1773. They, they were um, uh, uh, coalesced on the island of Corsica. And it's interesting, Dr. Lake, that you notice that uh, any time the Vatican uses one of their, their puppets to really punish a nation, they make sure that he wasn't born there. Um, Stalin was a Georgian. He wasn't a Russian. Uh, Hitler was uh, um, Austrian. He wasn't German. Napoleon was from, from Corsica. He wasn't French. And, of course, nobody knows where Barack Obama was from right now. But um, so they used one of their own, uh, Abbe, Abbe Emmanuel Sias, to whisper in the ear of Napoleon and make sure that uh, Pius VI was imprisoned at, uh, uh, after Napoleon rose to power. He died in prison a few weeks after that. Uh, Pius VII 
rose and was immediately imprisoned by Napoleon as Napoleon uh, um, cut through Europe and punished the, the, uh, the Huguenots and the Protestants in Europe for the Vatican and for Rome. And surprise, surprise, Pius VII somehow saw the light and reinstituted the Society of Jesus in, uh, in 1814. How about that? It's, it's amazing the things that come to you when you're in prison. Uh, Napoleon was a puppet. Supposedly Stalin said, uh, the Pope, who's the Pope? How many divisions does he have? He has got all of them. He owns them all, Dr. Lake. He does. And, and you know, you look at, I'm, I'm kind of going through all these things in my mind. We need to realize that almost every nation on the earth uh, that has a, a connection and control uh, by the papacy, I mean, that's, you know, I, I'm raised, I was raised Baptist, and I, I, I cut my teeth, I was surrendered ministry at 13, so I cut my teeth on B.H. Carroll. And if you remember uh, today how much Protestantism was embedded in that uh, Rome was the whore of Babylon and, and that the Pope was the Antichrist, we, we have seemed to, to forget that, but um, every single nation is under control of the papacy in one way or another. They control their armies, they control the situation. When you understand the Hegelian dialectic, all you have to do is turn on the evening news, and you, you see it in operation in everything that's going on, whether it's uh, the price of oil rising or the fluctuation of, of our currency or another kingdom's currency or politicians doing the shuffle. Every bit of it is contrived and controlled. We can even take the thing with health care and, and gun control in America. Those were Nazi agendas. Dr. Lake, the papal puppets of the Dodd family made sure that happened. Uh, uh, Thomas Dodd was a Connecticut senator, Catholic, who was installed as a, as a papal puppet. He used the, uh, the assassination, the Jesuit assassination, by the Catholic Dulles family. Uh, uh, Alan Dulles, CIA director, uh, uh, John Dulles, the Secretary of State, John Dulles' uh, son, Avery Dulles, became a powerful uh, uh, Jesuit. Uh, priest and then a cardinal. The um, Dodd used the Nazi Gun Control Act of 1938, almost word for word, to create the 1968 Gun Control Act to to help foment the uh, the foundation of the, the taking back the arms from the middle class so they could not resist this this fascist movement. Uh, I, I, I forgot to mention as I was going on. There was such a heavy hand of the Roman Catholic Church in not just the, uh, the assassination of Lincoln, but the Civil War itself, that uh, the ties with the sovereign city-state, the Vatican is a sovereign city-state, mints its own uh, uh, postage and it has its own currency, were severed in, I believe, in 1866, and wasn't reestablished until a secret traitor, Ronald Wilson Reagan, reestablished ties with the Vatican in 1984, and Reagan also signed more gun control uh, in 1986. Uh, again, they, they horribly misnamed uh, something like um, uh, Firearm Owners Protection Act that made uh, select fire weapons, military-grade weapons that you would use to protect yourself against the tyranny off limits to all but the super wealthy, the rich, and the elite. And it was Ronald Reagan who was a secret uh, um, emissary of the Pope and his friend John Paul II, who was um, a big news Brzezinski who created the, uh, the strategy of containment in Russia and also created our entire Islamic threat today with uh, CIA asset Tim Osman, also known as Osama bin Laden, good friends with the Bush family, uh, created al-Qaeda in the 70s as part of this 
this pretend battle against uh, uh, communism. And Brzezinski to this day still has a very heavy hand, uh, helped get uh, uh, Karol Wachowski installed as John Paul II in Pope, as, as, as Pope there. You know, uh, people ask, we well, always go back to, to Nazi Germany. Because uh, when, when we're, we're dealing with this battle, Nazi Germany was a prototype of everything else they were going to be doing. It was the birthplace, if you will, of Protestantism. They took the birthplace of Protestantism, turned it into an occult nation by a small group of people basically invaded their own nation first. And they used gun control, they used health care, which uh, led to eugenics and everything else. That became the prototype. That's why we're seeing, a rep, you know, it, it's being reproduced not only <laughs> with Ronald Reagan and, and some of the legislation, but, you know, after the um, Sandy Hook, that Barack Obama took a uh, picture with some children that you could actually hold it up with a similar picture that Hitler took with a bunch of children to justify gun control in, in Nazi Germany. That's their prototype that they're using right now to bring America down. They did it with a Protestant nation, the birthplace of Protestantism, and they're going to use the same template to do what they're going to do in America. You nailed it, Dr. Lake. You nailed it head on. Anyone that is the, the enemy of Rome is targeted for a vicious, vicious bloodletting, and that's exactly what's going on here. There is a purposeful... Uh, frustration of the American middle class that's being created, particularly uh, uh, against uh, old minorities, for instance. We see these false flags. You mentioned these false flags. It's absolutely insane, uh, Dr. Lake, that we would have these, uh, these plays that are being put on for us as an excuse to take away our rights where there, there, there clearly were. Um, how do you get law enforcement and military and media to cooperate in a false flag against the American people unless it's being manipulated by a malignant outside uh, entity. And that's exactly what's happened. We're, we're being punished. This racial strife, this foolishness that's going on in Baltimore, it's all manipulated. Baltimore is the home of the Catholic colony of Maryland, George's Calvert. Lord Baltimore, who created that, uh, that colony as, as a toehold for the Vatican. And we see this as being, being played out. The, uh, the birthplace of so-called black communism in Chicago had Jesuits at, at, at its root. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm really actually upset for the black community. You know, when you look at after the uh, Civil War, we had so many outstanding black men raise up, highly educated, they educated themselves, and when you look at what's going on, the education the, in, in so many of these cities that the black community needs so that their men and women can excel, it's not there. It's not there, and it's, it's not there because it breeds the anger. It breeds the strife. Now, in America, they're using the black versus white trump card. Uh, they're using something similar in Canada from reports I'm getting from Canada, but it, it's the First Nations people versus the rest of Canada. In fact, there's war drums going off in tribal meetings uh, each year uh, right now in Canada. So we're going to see a, a duplication of the racial strife done in that country. And I, I bet you that if we did done some research, we could probably bring that back to the Jesuits in some fashion or another, uh, that they're going to use the similar tactics there. It's, it's just different players. Absolutely, Dr. Lake. I wanted to bring up a name. That's why I had paused there. A uh, Jesuit by the name of Greg Galuzzo, G-A-L-L-U-Z-Z-O, was Barack Obama's Jesuit hard-left communist mentor while he was in Chicago. 
and influenced uh, black communist Frank Marshall Davis, who may very well be both Barack Obama's uh, biological father and abuser, because he was a, uh, uh, a pedophile, a pornographer, and a, a black communist activist. And this is all carefully manipulated by the Jesuits um, and, and the, in the same way that all of the hard left has been manipulated. We, we talk about uh, uh, the rise of Bill Clinton and his influence by uh, uh, Carol Quigley in his tome, Tragedy and Hope, and, and how uh, Clinton was, was uh, educated about the inner workings of the world. This was done at Jesuit Georgetown University. Carol Quigley was teaching at Jesuit Georgetown University. It all leads back to Rome, Dad. Literally all roads lead to Rome. Absolutely, Dr. Lake. You know, you mentioned for so long that uh, uh, Protestants, the Protestant church has, has believed that uh, Rome and the Vatican has been the whore of Babylon and the birthplace of the coming Antichrist, and yet we've, we've waned from that. Why have we waned from that? Well, it's because of Jesuit insurgents. Uh, from as far back as... <clears throat> up real quick. From the very beginning, from uh, the interpretation of, of Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel's vision in chapter 7, the beast of Revelation in, in, in uh, chapter 13 of Revelation, uh, further on in, in Revelation 17, the, uh, the, the great um, statue of, of the human in Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the head of gold as Babylon and the torso of, of silver as Medo-Persia and, and the, uh, the loins of bronze and the legs of iron and the feet and toes of iron and miry clay, um, and, and how they will try to mix with the seed of man, and the two shall not commingle. Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 says, The fourth beast was unlike the other three of the, 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 the four beasts, that the final dragon. Why was it so different from the other three? It's because it became a system. The whore of Babylon is mystery Babylon. America, if anything, America is the beast. America is not the whore of Babylon because America is being ridden by a parasite. It uses the communist slave labor of, of China. It uses the banking of the sovereign city-state of London. And it uses the, the military might that it stole from us in Washington, D.C., also a sovereign city-state in and of itself. Um, and... Revelation 17:8, the beast that was is not it is yet to come. Um, I'm not going to say that it's absolutely Rome, but it's clearly Rome fulfills this. And Revelation 17:9, the seven heads tells you these are the seven hills the horse sits upon. It was common knowledge the seven hills. These are the seven hills of Rome. There's even a Wikipedia entry on it, and yet this has has uh, uh, been waned and taken away from us because our education uh, has been purposefully uh, uh, skewed. We now uh, uh, rely on the, the, the misteachings of the Schofield Bible that came from John, John Nelson Darby and, and Cyrus I. Schofield, who was imprisoned for, for um, uh, writing bad checks. He, he divorced his Catholic wife to give him uh, uh, secular credentials as he put together uh, uh, these ideas that, that would mislead Protestant Christianity. And, and I don't want to be... Uh, cause controversy, but certainly there's a, a lot of problems with the pre-tribulation rapture, which was unheard of before the Schofield Bible in, I believe, 1824. Uh, Schofield also mislabeled Russia as Magog by tracking the, 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 the 
movement of the Scythians and only pausing at one point in their migration to say that because they were on the steps of Russia, well, clearly it's Russia. That's not true. The Scythians continue to migrate and now live all over the world. Uh, Magog was, was clearly in the vicinity of Turkey. Dispensationalism, the idea that there's this great uh, chess clock that, that, that Dr. Missile talks about, um, it, it is proven wrong. That we talked about before we started the show, Dr. Lake, of the um, uh, the mission of Jonah. And what did Jonah do? Jonah was working with the heathen at the same time that the Lord was working with the church. What happened on 70 AD? The Lord was working with Israel and the church at the same time. There's no such thing as dispensationalism. It needlessly handicaps the Lord from from doing His will. And then there's the idea of. Uh, uh, of overemphasis of, of Christian, so-called Christian Zionism, where we lose track of the importance of understanding that Israel is an apostate nation, that she needs to accept her Lord and Savior, Yeshua and Nazareth, and she won't do that, as we are predicted in Scripture, until she's thoroughly broken. Uh, again and again, we see Jesuits being brought to the fore in uh, 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 misleading Protestants with ideas of either praetorism or futurism. Praetorism is the idea that uh, prophecy is already fulfilled. We don't have to look for a coming fulfillment. And uh, a Jesuit priest by the name of uh, Manuel Lacunza y Diaz was responsible for uh, promulgating this. You look into, to, uh, I'm sorry, it was uh, Luis de Alcazar. Uh, also, uh, uh, Francisco Ribera is another name of, of a Jesuit who was behind these ideas that it's not the, the, the Catholic Church that, Roman, that Martin Luther felt was absolutely sure was the whore of Babylon. All you have to do is look and you see Jesuits behind these, these tenets of supposed Protestant Christendom. They, they have worked overtime. I'd, you know, I was raised in dispensational theology, but the more that I have grown in God, it, it's covenant, and each covenant lays upon the other, so it's not necessarily dispensations. And, Amen. And, and the covenant of Israel, the actual land of Israel, is conditional, isn't it, Dr. Lake? It's conditional upon the, the Israelites obeying God. And so God has the right to take that land away and give it back to them. And I personally believe that the best thing for us to do is to, to focus on the spiritual needs of our, our Jewish brethren and not worry about the political needs, because unfortunately the political needs are run by, by uh, Freemasons who owe their allegiance to, to Lucifer and not to the best interest of even their own, their own Jewish people. I believe the, um, uh, the, the, the Great Escape Pride Parade takes place in Tel Aviv. Israel is just as, as, as wayward uh, as America's because they're controlled. The Mossad, you, you look into this, and you see this, this smoke screen of how the Mossad is, is behind these false flags. Now, the Mossad is a junior player to the CIA, and the CIA is run by the Vatican, by Rome. The CIA was founded by Knight of Malta, William Donovan, who before the World War II was even over, in 1944, he was being uh, uh, gifted the, the Order of St. Sylvester by Hitler's Pope himself, Pius XII. He, like so many... In CIA leadership, they answer to Rome. That's how they can do the evil that they do. Um, they, they took those, the few good men, whether it's Admiral Yamamoto, who um, uh, wanted to do the right thing by Japan, or George S. Patton, who was a, a passionate patriot and one of our greatest field generals. They murdered him. They, uh, they located uh, 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 Yamamoto, and they, and they shot him down. Patton, uh, uh, Donovan himself 
was behind the assassination of George S. Patton, and I commend the work of Robert Wilcox, Target Patton, that shows how he used an OSS assassin by the name of Douglas Bazada to terribly wound Patton with a pneumatic air gun and shoot debris into his head and probably take his scalp off. And shockingly, Patton started to recover in a hospital, so it was leaked out to the NKVD who snuck in and, and, and finished the job. And whenever you see... Uh, working together between two intelligence agencies in an assassination, that is the calling card of, uh, of the Jesuits. Supposedly, there's this constant back and forth about this terrible massacre in the forest of Katyn in Poland, uh, where, where um, thousands of, of good nationalistic Poles were slaughtered. It was the NKVD and the SS working together. And whenever you see that, you should be seeing Rome punishing its heretic enemies. You know, and, and folks, you, you need to get a copy of this book. I mean, the, the documentation is awesome. Uh, almost 2,000 citations. Uh, so this is, this is not some, some wild, fanciful thing that he has put together in his own mind. He simply, as an investigator, began to follow the trail uh, that, that is there, that is available, that, you know, built upon the research of others. But I, I want to turn this just a little bit because um, we're, we're in a situation now that all these things are set in motion. I know that even within a lot of, of Protestant theology, uh, theological seminaries have been contam you know, contaminated for a long time. That's one of the reasons that I started Biblical Life. Uh, in fact, I was watching uh, Walter Veith, and, and he talked about when he tried to get a, a copy of the completed work of Blavinsky. Uh, because what, what you get out there is actually there's a lot of her writings that only heads of state, the Vatican, the United Nations, and those very up in the, high, in the occult can get it. So he tried to, to get a copy. He went to the center, and he ended up getting one in, in German. But the, uh, the Chandler over South Africa said that his copy of the complete unedited works of Levinsky was going to be given to a leading Protestant theological seminary to be used for the training of their ministers and all the professors. <laughs> Doctor, are you talking about Helena Blavatsky, the Luciferian cultist? Yes. yes. Oh, yes. The Russian, the, the Russian. That's because Blavatsky, as a Luciferian, was not a Jesuit. And, and I, I've heard that she may have been Jesuit trained, but she, uh, it's, it's great that you can see how this battle between Freemasons and the Jesuits occurred very often you have an amazing truth that comes out. Uh, Blavatsky, I, I rely very heavily on her, and Isis Unveiled. She quotes uh, Charles Sotheran, corresponding secretary of the New York Liberal Club, in pointing out how the Jesuits have taken over Freemasonry. Sotheran says, It is curious to note, too, that most of the bodies which work these, such as the ancient, the accepted Scottish Rite, the Rite of Avignon, the Order of the Temple of Festus Rite, the Grand Council of the Emperors of the East and West, the Sovereign Prince Masons, etc., nearly all are the offspring of the Sons of Loyola. Uh, Blavatsky, again and again, um, nails who is really behind the, uh, the New World Order. We might actually call it the, the Jesuit World Order. And when it comes to discerning who the, the black arts, the black arts, I was just looking this up, uh, Jean Dixon, the astrologer from the 80s and 90s, did you know she was a devout Catholic, that she actually admits that she was trained by a Jesuit priest? You can't find that uh, unless you go to uh, 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 dig really deep. I found a, an excerpt from the Milwaukee Sentinel in 1990. Jean Dixon was taught astrology by a Jesuit priest. Blavatsky goes on to say, 
uh, all uh, secret societies, particularly so-called Christian secret societies, have an immediate connection. They are of Kabbalistic parentage and have once held the secret wisdom religion, the one supreme mystery god, the ineffable name. And that's how you draw into it. Um, you, you use this occultic Gnosticism, but you have to base it on the, the, the truth of, of Christ to give it power. So what do we do? I mean, where do we go from here? You know, because all these things are set in motion, and one of the things that I have really been praying, and I've, I've been getting in my spirit, because, you know, judgment's coming. I think, I think God has, has had enough. And so he's going and really, the, I think that part of the judgment is going to be for the sake of the righteous. We have got to have some of these things judged so that we can back off, regroup, and seek the face of God. What, what, what is we as believers, what can we do now to begin countering these things first in ourselves and our own families? Well, Dr. Lake, that's a, that's a great question. I absolutely believe that judgment is coming. Uh, I have to be honest with you, when I hear people say America is going to be judged, it, it upsets me and irks me because you and I are America, Dr. Lake. These Luciferians that have stolen our country, they are not America. So I say the Luciferian judgment is coming. So how do we respond to that? We're doing it right now. We're getting educated. I'm finding that the more I look, the deeper I look, our entire paradigm is a lie. It was a lie foisted upon us to make us believe that uh, we are not clearly and obviously the hand of, of Yahweh. Everything was made for Christ and through Christ. Uh, I'm, I'm looking into so-called uh, flat earth doctrine, and it's absolutely astounding, the idea that our, our, our knowledge of the solar system, the heliocentric model of the universe, space exploration, it may all very well be contrived. It certainly has proven that evolution is completely contrived, and when you look, you see Jesuits at the bottom of it. You see Georges Lemaitre is the author of the so-called Big Bang, and he was good friends with Albert Einstein, uh, another papal puppet who was put out there as a, a Jew for us to be angry with to help create this paradigm that, doesn't, that, that puts us off into this cosmic accident, when in reality it's absolutely 100% intelligent design created. A Jesuit by the name of Pierre Teilhard de Chardin was the father of the New Age movement who was so dedicated to evolution, he created not one but two evolutionary hoaxes, both Piltdown Man and Peking Man who was behind it. So uh, again and again, we see these Jesuits trying to rewrite our history for it, for us, and, and waking up is the biggest, most important thing. Now, as we look at how much control the Jesuits have, how much control the Whore of Babylon has, it can be intimidating, Dr. Lake. And here's what I draw um, uh, my solace from. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Christ who is in us is greater than he who runs the system of the world. He owns the system. He took Christ to the, to, to Satan took Christ to the top of the mountain and showed him not the earth. He doesn't own the earth. We, own, we are the stewards of the earth. He owns the system, Mystery Babylon, the intelligence agencies, the banking. He owns the world system. And that can seem overpowering, but Christ in us is greater than he who owns the, the system of Mystery Babylon. So if we get intimidated, it's an absolutely imperative that we draw closer to Christ. I'm not even a fan of organized religion, uh, uh, Dr. Lake. I prefer uh, a home Bible study, and, and if you don't have anybody in your area, then go online and get in touch with great people like uh, Derek and Sharon Gilbert and use their electronic home Bible study to get 
You are personally responsible for your salvation and your knowledge. So you start with Christ. I would not even begin to try and poke the dragon unless I firmly believe that Christ Jesus is both my, my shield and my sword in this fight. Because if they want you, they're going to get you. If they want to shut you down, they're going to shut you down. Uh, but it's only in Christ, and, and as we discipline ourselves as true soldiers of Christ, you can begin this walk, but you have to become a disciplined soldier of Christ. You know this, Dr. Lake, as a military man, that to uh, discipline yourself and own your body, look yourself in the mirror, and be honest with yourself. Where does sin have a hold on me, and I will fight it? I'm not going to ever be completely victorious over sin, but I'm going to fight it, and I'm going to master it, because that's the, the wedge that the devil uses as a foot in the door. And so as we do that, we draw close to Christ. We gather this information, and we promulgate this information, and we wait for the Lord to provide the opportunities that we hunker down, we... Uh, don't be foolish. Look, at the bare minimum, you should have two weeks of, of uh, food and water because of anything, uh, of, a, uh, of a natural disaster. I was living here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania and was out without power because of an ice storm for five days. It's common sense to be a good steward, and that's one of the things that uh, the pre-wrath idea has over pre the pre-tribulation rapture is that no matter what, you are a steward. Get off your six and get out there and be active. You are responsible for yourself. You're responsible for your family, your loved ones. You're responsible for your pets. I have my stores include food and water for my pets as well because I possess everything that has been given to me as a steward. And from there, the Lord will provide opportunities. There's a great video on the Internet of a, a young male uh, falcon that s swoops in out of nowhere and takes out a, uh, a drone with a camera on it. And it just gives me chills to watch it. The hair goes up on my arms because just as one of their own, Luciferians, H.G. Wells, said, the Martians had total control in the war of the world, but they hadn't planned on one thing, little bacteria was the monkey wrench in the machine. So hunker down. If the Lord's telling you to relocate, well, relocate. But don't be uh, fanatical about it. You focus on Jesus Christ, on doing the right thing by him, and he will protect you even if you've been targeted for a nuclear false flag. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and govern yourself as a soldier of Christ. If he tells you to do something, then do it. And he will protect you no matter where you go. You know, one of the things I think we need to do is we need to take uh, back our spirituality. Uh, so much of, even in the Protestant movement, we, we use our model based upon what Rome had. And your pastor is not the surrogate husband, is not the surrogate head of your household. It, it is the husband of the household that we're going to have to return spirituality back to the household. We're going to have to begin opening up and become studious in the Word of God, get back in the Word. Uh, every home should have its own solid library of research of both spiritual things, geopolitical things, uh, survival, you know, first aid. It, it, it's time that we, we only trust in Almighty God and begin building networks of other believers uh, so that we can, we can become, in, in a sense, self-contained. But somehow or another in this day and age, no one's taking responsibility for their, own, for their own spirituality. If you do that, you fall into the beast system. The only way to get out of the beast system, it is my personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's my getting into the Word. It's my getting a Bible program and begin digging deep to find out exactly how I'm supposed to reorganize my life to live a life that is truly biblical in every single aspect of my life. And as you begin doing that, that is the, that is the first step to begin systematically unplugging yourself 
from Babylon. And I really think that's where God has us right now. He's waking us up. And now after he wakes us up, we have got to nurture ourselves and empower ourselves to become that bride without spot and wrinkle. Dr. Lake, you're spot on. Um, that's, that's why Paul told the, the jailer to, to accept Jesus Christ, and then you and your household will be saved. He wasn't saying that um, by being saved that automatically his house will be saved. He was saying that you, as the leader of your house, will impart this knowledge, and your faith will sway your own household, and they too will become saved as a product, as a byproduct of your leadership within that household. Um, the, the body of Christ has become the weak-eyed Leah. Yes. It's become the weak-eyed Leah. Fat, dumb, and happy. We sit on our, our haunches. We allow people who have been trained to give us disinformation to, to teach us. We put Jesus Christ in his little cubbyhole on for an hour Sunday morning. We go home. We go back to our world. The, the idea of, of uh, suffrage and tolerance of, of other religions other than the King of Kings, is all satanic, it's Luciferian, and it's Jesuit designed. The, uh, there is no such thing as a secular state. You draw your, your ideals, you draw your morals from a source, a spiritual source. It's either secular humanism, Luciferianism, or it's the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is either the King of King, Kings and Lord of Lords, or he's nothing. He's either the master of everything or of nothing. And anyone that buys into the idea of separation of church and state is, I believe, being apostate. Yeah, Those it's, words it's not are not even found in the Constitution. No. And they're not, not only are they not found in the Constitution, they are... Uh, Canada says the same thing. Britain says the same thing. All these other nations say the same thing, and they don't even use the Constitution. It's, it, part, of, it's part of Jesuit formaldehyde, uh, Dr. Lake, they use to keep the body of Christ asleep, fat, dumb, and happy. We're drunk on the leeks and cucumbers of Egypt. And it's only in being beat down that Christians are going to rise up and realize that they need to get active, that they need to discipline themselves, particularly Christians in the West, the um, uh, the whore of Babylon is using our own intelligence agencies to cut a, a swath of blood through the Middle East and horribly torturing and raping and pillaging good Christians out there. You want to talk about tribulation? They're experiencing it right now, and your taxpayer dollars are paying for it because you're allowing it to happen. And, you know, Doctor, I want to mention uh, how is it possible that the CIA could be so malignant? Someone tells, tells me, okay, if I had the power to fix things, what would I do? i destroy every single intelligence agency in the United States uh, from the NSA that was uh, um, headquartered in Maryland to the FBI that was created by uh, Catholic Charles Bonaparte, uh, offspring, or, uh, a blood relative of Napoleon Bonaparte, to William Donovan's CIA, used to destroy us, as well as all the banks, particularly the so-called Central Bank, uh, that is run by Knights of Malta, Knights of Columbus, to help sew up and pay for it. Uh, and, and that's where you get into the narcotics and mind control. If you do your research and you see that mind control was... Uh, perfected by the Nazis. The Nazis were brought to America through the uh, uh, Operation Paperclip and through the, uh, the Vatican rat lines, and we basically have become, we've been given, I say we, I, don't, I, I hate saying it because it's not we, United States is basically the fourth Reich as a result of this. These Nazis populated yeah. the CIA, and they use these 
uh, unbelievable satanic methodology of narcotics and Satanism and torture to break someone's mind, and you see that this is actually institutionalized. You and your brave wife, brave wife Mary, can say that this is institutionalized in the United States military and the CIA. How is that possible? You have Berkeley professor uh, Timothy Leary saying, uh, "Tune in, turn on, and 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 uh, and and, um, and drop out and get on, get high on LSD." Turns out. Irish Catholic Timothy Francis Leary was Jesuit educated at Holy Cross and worked, according to Walter Ballas, at with the CIA. How can our own intelligence agency be so malignant? It answers to the whore of Babylon and to Rome. We, had, uh, we have the drone executioner himself, John Owen Brennan, Jesuit educated at Ford, uh, Fordham, was sworn in, not by Barack Obama, but Barack Obama's Catholic handler, Joe Biden, on a constitution devoid of the Bill of Rights. That in and of itself is treason. Murdering Americans without due process is treason. They have purposely targeted the Second, Fourth, and Fifth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. They're all traitors, Dr. Lake. Yeah. How can you do and I listen to your story and Mary's story and it just sickens me. How can the United States military be involved in preying on average people? They love to prey on innocent uh, innocent people, innocent Americans, because it's what they do. They have a hatred for the American middle class. The, uh, uh, the scandal, the Boys Town scandal, the Franklin cover-up, started in Boys Town. But no one talks about that. They talk about uh, uh, Lawrence King and the Franklin cover-up and talk about the trafficking of young boys and feeding them to these animals uh, uh, to, to be horribly abused and compromised with. But they never talk about how it started in the, the, the Catholic orphanage at Boys Town. And it's, you get into uh, Kathy O'Brien, you read Kathy O'Brien's transformation of, of America, and the Catholic Church is, has an imprint throughout the terrible things that she talks about. How is it possible that your own intelligence agency is preying on American citizens for these evil, unspeakable acts? Because they're not protecting America. And I want, I want to go back, because, you know, what can we do? You know, number one, trust in Jesus with all your heart. But I think, number two, take your spirituality in your own hands. Get back in the Bible for yourselves. Don't, your, your pastor is supposed to be a teacher, a, a coach. If, you know, if you're going to a church somewhere, he is supposed to be like a, a, a success coach, if you will, giving you other things that you add to what you've been studying to all week. You don't use that Sunday sermon as your only spiritual meal. It, it should be the vitamins that you add to everything else you've been doing each week. I think we also need to bring spirituality back at home. We need to bring prayer back into the home. Uh, but I, I feel like we need to begin calling for believers to begin fasting at least one day a week. So, and, and specifically, number one, wake me up. Help me break free of any mind control, any control. Help me begin to see reality, Father. Second, our, our fasting ought to be God begin to judge the Luciferian plans. Begin to judge those things. You shake them. You rattle them. Let judgment fall on them so that we can get free. I think if the body of Christ began doing that and making a habit of, you know, what, what did Jesus first say when he came on the scene? His very first sermon was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repentance is a secret weapon in the body of Christ. Lucifer, it, it, it is beyond his understanding. He cannot understand repentance. And if I will allow God to continually correct me and begin to show me reality, 
And, you know, I, I've suggested in my book that just simply plead the blood of Jesus between you and the TV. And all of a sudden, you'll start seeing things you never saw before. Brother, I've been getting emails of people saying, for the first time, I'm beginning yelling at the news broadcast. You're a liar. I see what you're doing. It's amazing what happens when you start applying spiritual principles to the world around you, how that all of a sudden God can open your eyes and begin giving you specific dynamics to and to uh, put into your life to begin breaking free and becoming who you were meant to be. You nailed it, Dr. Lake. You absolutely nailed it, and it's great that you went back to what should we do. Look, as a military man, we, we both know that if you're completely surrounded, you fall back to your, your most um, – uh, your last line of departure, you, you fall back to your, your, your innermost circle. You build your fortifications based on you. Yeah. You build it around you and your family. You become the leader of your family, and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And suddenly, just as you said, Dr. Lake, those opportunities will, will suddenly appear. There are people on the inside, we call them white hats, that are desperate to do the right thing, but they have no opportunity. Suddenly, the Lord is going to use his judgment against the Luciferians, and those opportunities will, will show themselves. And all you have to do is stay true to Jesus Christ, be prepared, be active, discipline yourself as a soldier for Christ, and su shockingly, surprisingly, seemingly out of nowhere, those opportunities for you to act will suddenly appear. You don't have to be a... a um, fixated or frantic, what am I going to do, how am I going to, you just start on your inner circle, start a blog, start a radio show, go back to the basics, yeah. amen, go back to the basics and, and start to, to quietly, humbly network, and as you build that network, suddenly you will, you will see that it will begin to coalesce, and um, Dr. Lake, as soon as the dam breaks, a flood will occur. People will come out of nowhere that you had no idea were on our side, will join to you and say, let's take it to them. I've been waiting and training for this for decades. And I believe many of them are the very organizations that we've been talking about. They, they found out what's going on, and they're just waiting for the right opportunity to do the right thing. Absolutely, Dr. Lake. Amen. We, we fix on Christ. We take charge of our own lives. We pull ourselves out of, uh, of, of Egypt and discipline ourselves and put Jesus Christ in every part of our lives, and the opportunities will just open up to us. Absolutely. Uh, Jenny, tell us where, we can, uh, where folks can purchase a copy of your book. Sure. It's available on Amazon.com. There's also a Kindle version. And the easiest thing to do is just go to uh, johnnysarucci.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y-C-I-R-U-C-C-I. -I, -C -C -I. I have a uh, uh, podcast on Blog Talk Radio, and I uh, will write as often as I can and post it on, on johnnysarucci.com. Well, I encourage everybody to pick up a copy of your book. And uh, it, it, it's, it's eye-opening, and it will help you make the connections. I love the citations that are there because you can follow them, and you can dig this as deep as you want. And, uh, Johnny, I, just, I wanted to thank you for being on the show today. It's really been a blessing. Dr. Lake, I, I, I look up to you, and it's been a true honor to, to be on your show. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother. All right, that was uh, good old Johnny, author of uh, Illumina, Illuminati Unmasked, being interviewed by Dr. Michael C. Lake, <clears throat> and uh, Kingdom Intelligent Briefing with uh, Dr. Michael C. Lake. Don't know much about him. I do like Johnny, though. Sounds like they're both on the same page. And... Uh, 
Yeah, is it pretty pathetic and sad that it takes us just only there's only a few of us actually speaking the truth when it comes to the Jesuits, the New World Order, what it really is about. Everyone else is either deceived or bought. And there's a whole, whole, whole bunch of cowards out there. They refuse to touch this because they're afraid they'll end up in a dungeon. Jail. Dead. Anyways, you might be asking why I'm, but I'm not. Well, because I believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have faith in my Lord and Savior, and my faith in my Lord and Savior has uh, nothing to do with faith in this world. Or man. Anyway, let's just see. If maybe we can listen to one more of his. Johnny really hasn't had that many. I think I'm like the fourth interview he's had. But he's starting to pick up. And uh, I want people to, to know about Johnny. Johnny has done a really good job doing his research. And he's, got, he's a good communicator. And he's one of us. So he doesn't have a problem once in a while swearing and cursing and just being one of the guys. It feels bad about it, but he's, he's human like the rest of us. So. Um, I think we might have a second interview here, actually, with Dr. Uh, Michael Lake. I think this is a different one. Well, I find it interesting, the last one, we talked about the illuminated ones, Illuminati. I, you gentlemen who are here missed it. Ignatius Loyola, the founder, the head, the first Jesuit general, when he went to the Pope, he wanted to name the order the Illuminated One. Now, Ignatius Loyola, before he started the Jesuit order, was part of the Spanish Illuminati. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll just try to give you some links. Anyways, we'll be talking about that too, a little bit of the geocentric model. Because um, it's fascinating too, when you think of the heliocentric model, it came from the Jesuits. All part of the Reformation. Yes, a lot of people believe the world is flat. I'm not saying it isn't. The Bible says that it's a circle. But when you compare the quote-unquote theories between the heliocentric model and the geocentric model, Actually, it weighs more heavily on the geocentric model. Problem is, gentlemen, you and I have never seen a true picture of the Earth. A full picture, that is. You've only seen partials from a round circular window in some kind of, some kind of craft. And that everything else is gener computer-generated images. The problem is, after two th it's now 2015, and if we're honest... If we can be honest about this, we've never seen, even last 2015, we've never seen a complete, full, legitimate photograph of Earth from end to end. This is the truth. Am I right? I don't know. You know, I'll tell you this much, when it comes to the heliocentric model, it came from sun worshippers, the Jesuits who worshipped Lucifer, Hence, their, their uh, uh, telescope, the one named after 
Lucifer, the other one, Hubble, who hated God, and specifically said he hated God, named after him. What's going on? You tell me. I can tell you one thing. You should be very suspect if you don't believe that, like I do at this point, there's overwhelming evidence that we never went to the moon, that the International Space Station probably is a fake. I know, I would rephrase that. Well, I would bet a month's wages that it's a a fake, and I sure could use the money. And that we probably have never gone past the Van Allen Belt, the Van Allen Belt, Allen, the Van Allen Belt, excuse me. Now, a lot of people are going to argue with me on that and say I'm nuts and crazy. All I could say is do your own homework. I know a lot of people said they saw it on television. You saw a lot of things on television that turned out not to be true. They're pretty good at faking things. Because Jesuits own the television as well, the media. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Anyways, here's a little, uh, this is Brian Sirois in his Facebook page, and <clears throat> hopefully we'll have him on. Uh, we're talking, we, never get, we haven't talked yet, but we've been emailing these days, talk and see. Uh, he does a good job of leading you to some sources, links and all that as far as uh, the geocentric model. Makes you think. That's a good job. He's not original. He's just taking ideas from others. This has been going around for a long time. So the debate and battle has been going along for a long time. If you go back to some of my earlier shows about geocentricity and uh, which was find some good sources there as well. Anyways, I try to. We'll see. Let's why not. Let's just we will. Um, Yeah, they're right. You did most of our composites and taken from several light waves lengths. And by the way, as an artist, I know that a lot of those are actually pieces of artwork. And just the thing they do, they do computer uh, generated images and they paint over it with acrylic and with, uh, with oil, do it again and that kind of thing. Really, it, it, the, the amount of effort they put in to try to give you a picture of the image of the Earth or Mars and all that. You know, it's 2015 at this point. Why don't you just give us a straight-up picture? I don't think that's too much to ask. If you're telling us the truth, NASA. George Corwin likes to call them assholes. Give us a picture, a real one. that's not been doctored, faked, and messed with. It's not too much to ask. Oh, you know, it's national security. Well, what are you hiding from all of us at this point? Because clearly it's not about our security, it's about your security. Interesting stuff. So, anyways, sorry for my language there, but at this point, the uh, NASA is one of the biggest cons there ever was. These guys lied about everything. And uh, I'm going to go bounce back here just a little bit to make sure we're not screwing up. Because uh, he has two interviews with Dr. Michael Lake, and I believe we played the first one, and I'll play this next one. 
Johnny, he's worth getting the book. He's worth, you know, listening to. He's on par at times. I don't know if he is exactly like uh, uh, Eric Spelt as far as understanding Jesuits. Eric has his, some of his things that go off, in my opinion. Whatever that's worth, in my opinion. It's you deserve to decide for yourself. Um, yeah, this won't do. So we're going to play this next one. It's about an hour. And, um, no, it isn't. No, where am I at? It is, I'm not sure how long it is. But there's another recording with, uh, I think he's done two recordings with the Dr. Michael C. Lake. And these men, uh, they bounce off each other pretty well. So here we go. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm afraid if I dig any deeper, no one's going to like what I find. God, and welcome to another edition of the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Lake, and this is episode number 38. In today's episode, we have the special guest, Johnny Circusi, who is the author of Illuminati Amassed. And uh, I begin seeing it all over Facebook that people are beginning to tie his book and mine together. And uh, I think he took some references that I made in my book, you know, and that God, God didn't necessarily have me go into this because I think he already knew that he was working on Johnny and Johnny was doing this project. And so, Johnny, welcome to Biblical uh, Kingdom Intelligence Briefing today. Thanks, Dr. Lake. It's an extreme honor. I really appreciate it. And what I want to do, you know, and, and someone who has never written a book, doesn't know the terror that can grip your heart when you're doing an interview and you have put so much information in a book and it's like, oh my gosh, I have got to remember 900 pages of materials. And so what I want to do today is uh, just to do a, carry on a conversation as, uh, as two fellow researchers that have dug into these things. And uh, I want to give you the freedom that if you don't remember to say, wait a minute, let me look it up, and we'll simply go back and edit out the dead airspace because I have had to do that many times with my short work of only 400 pages. Thanks, Dr. Lake. I often am kicking myself for putting out a tome that's basically 900 pages long with, with 2,000 citations, and I, I tease people. I use my friend Freeman Fly as an example and say that uh, my book tried to cover everything from – uh, Nimrod to Akhenaten to JFK to Barack Obama, and if you believe what Freeman Fly has got down in his uh, 
thesis on cloning, then we're going right back to Akhenaten again. So it is a tremendous amount of information, but it's critical because and the reason why I included 2,000 citations is that anybody can have a harebrained scheme or, or uh, idea. It's so important to take outside sources that uh, we accept, so-called mainstream sources, and put together the picture, the puzzle, based on those sources so that people can see this is not just an opinion. These are names and dates and places that are referenced in the historical record. And we can do that, even though we're talking about the dragon, the system of mystery Babylon that tries very hard to cover its tracks and does so on a regular basis, it still is forced to allow things out. And, and that's what a good detective does, a good researcher, a good author, Dr. Lakers, finds those keys, those clues, and puts them all together. And, and, and I like to use a reference from a secular movie. I don't recommend any Christians go to any, to watch any secular movies, but if you're grounded, sometimes you get bored, you watch especially science fiction, science fantasy, uh, and the, uh, the, the Chronicles of Riddick with, with, with Vin Diesel, there's the scene in uh, the second movie where he's captured by mercenaries and brought to this prison planet, and the prison planet is run by a bunch of Russians. I'm not quite sure how they got in outer space, but the, uh, the Russian leader has his, his uh, lieutenant named Anatoly, and Anatoly has a nose for trouble, and that's, that's what we want to use in our, our research to look at something and say, this doesn't sound right. Um, the uh, Airbus 320 that was brought down in Europe recently, there was something that didn't sound right about that. It could be that maybe uh, CERN or magnetic anomaly was involved. The fact that we now have a, um, a death count of 5,000 people in Nepal, something does not sound right about that terrible, terrible incident, Dr. Lake. It did not. I think what we're seeing um with, you know, with God putting what he did in my heart and, and you and there's so many others, is God is beginning to raise up intelligence officers. Both of us are military, and we know exactly what that is. When you, uh, when you have the enemy is basically playing the Game of Thrones where you have intelligence agencies that are scheming, conspiring, covering it up, misdirecting, uh, you have to have the counterpart over on the other side. I know when I was in the military and, and stationed in Würzburg, uh, we were just 20 minutes by air from uh, communist Germany. And so our guys were working overtime to make sure that we could sniff out what the enemy was doing and be prepared. And I think that's what God's doing today. Uh, Amen. Amen. And, and that's the, we could go right into the, the sick game that was played on us, on America, in regards to communism. Communism was the, uh, the one-two punch that was used to bring America to where it was, and, and the Jesuits were completely behind it the whole time, I mean, from as far back as... Uh, as, as Thomas Aquinas and Summa Theologica, Theologica uh, and, and his treatises on the, the common uh, uh, property, no one should own anything that left into the uh, reductions, the reductions in uh, Paraguay, Argentina, Brazil, Bolivia in the 18th century, the late 1700s. The Jesuits had basically slave labor camps there in South America where my apologies. I didn't check on this beforehand. It sounds like it's the same recording. I'm going to try something here. I think I end up with this episode 38. Maybe this also has a double of the same one. Uh, 
start with the delay here. That's 38. Try this again. Yeah, same one. You got that one doubled. Okay. Well, let's see. Where should I go from here? Could do the about we try View from the Bunker by Derek Gilbert. Or we do the Canary Cry Radio. Turn the tank. Yeah, let's do Canary Cry Radio. We'll see how that sounds. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're listening to Canary Cry Radio. Today, we're going to talk about the Jesuits that people say, oh, man, there's no such thing. A bunch of people dressed in black, Sonia and this planet. I have news for you, they run the planet. Even if there are members in high places in our own church that don't want to believe it, that's their problem. Don't make it yours. The papacy is regarded as antichrist. Directly, because the spirit of prophecy says so. I turned around and there was next to me. And I just turned to him and said, Hello, friend, are you a Jesuit? And he says, Yes. Well, listen, I'm very interested in, in the Jesuits. I've read some about them. And what would you think about what was embedded to the Council of Trent and the infiltration of the Jesuits into Protestantism and the use of the Jesuits through organizations like the Illuminati and the Futurism theory, the secret rapture embedded for the Protestants. And I talked about a lot of those things. He had a, like a metamorphosis of these places. His face became rigid. His crowd went away. And looking right in the eyes, he said, you are quite a bit, don't you? These men who are in positions of power over these agencies, over Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, whatever, if these men do not do what they are told, they are removed with either death or being discredited. Because the general order has a very active assassination squad throughout all the nations of the earth, controlled by the intelligence communities, as well as the international Sicilian mafia, which is also controlled by the generals, and the mafia, the Russian mafia, the Sicilian mafia, the American mafia, all controlled by the Vatican, through either of the nations, the United States, they work in conjunction with the international military intelligences, intelligence agencies, as well as the civilian intelligence agencies. Hey everybody and welcome to 
to Cry Radio. My name is Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to episode number 91. 91. And that number just keeps getting higher. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> it's my dad joke. As you guys can probably hear, maybe not, hopefully, I don't know, maybe, um, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, got a little bug, got a little uh, congestion going on. But um, Those vaccines, man, I told you not to get them. I know, it's all of the vaccines that I'm getting. I'm just getting loads and loads of adult vaccinations. No, so there's that. And so you'll hear my voice being a little bit deeper, a little bit raspier. But, uh, you know, I do an okay job of, for the most part, staying engaged. So you should do that too. No excuse. Yep. Good stuff. Yep. All right. Well, I guess that's it. You ready? <laughs> Is there something that we should talk about here? Uh, you know, maybe up at the top, maybe we'll just mention this because I don't know how many people make it all the way to the end. But just uh, just at the top here, you guys know about Facebook. You have a Facebook. And you also have iTunes, probably. Now, if you are looking to support Canary Cry Radio just in an awesome way, a good way to do that to like our Facebook page. Just search Canary Cry Radio. We're there. Also, on iTunes, leave a rating or a review. And that'll be awesome. Helps us out. Let's everybody know what's going on, why you enjoy Canary Cry Radio or not. Who knows? You can also make a financial support, I guess, on CanaryCryRadio.com. Most of you probably already know this, but this is just for those of you who are too impatient to stick till the end. There you go. Yep. Anything else? Well, we got good reviews from people. We appreciate your reviews on iTunes. It's awesome. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's always good to hear from you. And it's good. Makes us feel happy. Yeah. And uh, we're approaching episode 100, and <laughs> it's going to be the most weirdest, awesome episode Don't ever. Make promises. That's not a very... It's so vague. I, I know. There you go. It's a vague And now we're forced to just do something ridiculous. Well, I already have a plan. Uh, excuse me. You're supposed to share your plans with me before we talk about them on air. Yeah, well, I've already put it together. God is going rogue, everybody. No, but it will be cool. 100th episode. We're looking forward to it. I don't know why it's taken us so long. Other podcasts get 100 episodes in like a year. <laughs> Yeah, they tend to publish um, consistently. Well, we publish consistently, too, but it's not as... Yeah, we're consistently inconsistent. It's good. So it's all new. It's this whole new thing we're going for. It's a whole new thing. It's, it's, yeah. good for, it's good for us, not so good for our listeners who are eagerly waiting for every episode. Keeps you on your toes. They're probably eagerly waiting for this episode to start. So let's let them do that. All right? Here we go, everybody. Get ready. Get into it. Type in the word Illuminati into a Google search and you will be bombarded with some 42 million hits and hundreds of thousands of conspiracy-related websites allegedly exposing the nefarious activities of this elusive group of dark overlords over the society of Earth. And while the mockers mock the prospect of such global leaders who pull the strings behind the scenes of the world's political, 
economic, military, and even ecumenical movements, others have provided extensive evidence that lead to no other conclusion but to the undeniable existence of such a group. One man who took on the task of documenting over 2,000 sources to build his case for the existence of the Illuminati is Johnny Cerucci, author of the book Illuminati Unmasked, everything you need to know about the New World Order and how to beat it. We want to welcome Johnny onto the show. Johnny, what's up, buddy? John, it is a pleasure to be both with both of you and Basil, the, the soldier of Christ that he is, kind of feeling under the weather. <laughs> awesome, absolutely awesome. Big fan. Just finished listening to your fantastic interview with Rebecca Roth this morning, mm-hmm. and um, it made me think of a couple of things. The first thing that came to my mind was uh, this passage, Matthew ten sixteen, where, where the Lord's sending out his disciples. And obviously, I, I'm very familiar with you guys. I know you, and I know that your audience is going to be familiar with our Christian view, I'll throw out my little disclaimer that, that if you're not, that we have a Christian worldview. Yeah. So we, we consider the the, uh, the inerrant, the Bible is an inerrant word of God. And uh, we're sending out disciples, he said, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, be as shrewd as serpents, which means think the way your enemy thinks, and be as innocent as doves, which means Walk with compassion and empathy, but but don't be a pushover and take a stand. And that's and that's Matthew ten sixteen. And and listening to your your interview with Rebecca Roth this morning, I think it was God that said, you know how how can the elite and and I like that you used the word Luciferians. Uh, I think it was you, guns, and and I absolutely agree with that. And and I use that word Luciferian because it basically describes them as serving Lucifer, whether willingly or unwillingly. Right. And regardless of who they think Lucifer is, whether they actually believe him to be the devil or to be, uh, you know, the Prometheus, the light bearer, he's still the enemy. He's still the bad guy. How can they conduct something like 9-11 in the age of information? And here's, here's the answer. As I was talking to my my phone as I was playing your podcast, here's the answer. By completely controlling 98% of the media and infiltrating the other 2% to sow disinformation. Yeah. And as I was listening to Rebecca, some of my, my spidey sense went off because she was pushing hard the idea that the Zionists and the Israelis and the Mossad were behind 9-11. And that's really kind of an um, indicator of a CIA asset because clearly as powerful as the Mossad is and trust me, Israel is run by the same Luciferians, the same elite that uh, run the United States in the West, but they are a junior player. The senior player is uh, here in the United States uh, at the CIA. And to get into our, our topic is, is who, re- who really runs the CIA. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, uh, and, and Basil, you were, you were struggling to think of some, some false flags, and I quickly wrote down some off the top of my head. The fires of Rome. Nero started the fires of Rome, blamed on right. Christians. That's right. right. Uh, the destruction of the Maine in 1898. The, the, the magazine went off in the Maine, and, and it clearly was set inside the, the vessel. The, the sinking of the Lusitania in 1915. Yeah. Everybody knew that the Lusitania had weapons on it. Uh, the, the Germans knew the Germans were trying to tell people, don't go on, don't passenger civilians, stay off the Lusitania. The uh, Hitler and the Reichstag fire of 1932. Yeah. Um, and then later in 39. Uh, the, the Germans went into uh, their radio station in Glywitz, torched it, and then blamed the Poles as a, as a reason for starting World War II. 
uh, Operation Northwoods in 1962, where our own military, uh, our admirals and generals said, hey, I got an idea. Let's go ahead and blow up some sailors, and we'll blame it on the Cubans. What? What? Are you kidding me? The, the, uh, the, the Maddox, the incident in the Gulf of Tonkin, which probably never happened, the, uh, the USS Liberty in 67, which was beginning of the, the beginning of the anti-Zionist movement when the, pardon me, the Israelis were doing basically what uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson told them to do, send that GD ship to the bottom. Uh, Operation Gladio, which, uh, and this, this is always key, Gladio is named after the, the Roman short sword, the Gladius. So whenever you see that, uh, that trace back to Rome, so many people were killed during Operation Gladio. There were like four different incidents in Italy, Piazza Fontana bombing, the Pitano terrorist uh, um, bombing, uh, the Italicus Express and Train bombing, uh, Bologna massacre. Almost like 300 people were murdered. And this is all at the hands of NATO, our own military, supposedly protecting right. us. Uh, and then on into the United States, and the United States now is, is the epicenter of false flags. World Trade Center 93, Oklahoma City bombing 95, 9-11, and basically every modern mass shooting from Sydney to Ottawa, Paris, Charlie Hebdo to Sandy Hook. They're, they're in a, a breakneck pace to usher in the, the one world order. And when I see and hear people say, it's the Zionists, it's the Jews, my, my spidey sense goes up because I know that that is a, um, a, a patented tactic of the folks that, that I want to talk to you today about, and that's the Jesuits. Ooh, the Jesuits. And, you know, I was, I was telling Basil beforehand of your research in that area, and I often get messages and comments and stuff like that where people are always like, yeah, you know, the Illuminati, the Dark Order, or whatever, but why aren't you exposing the Jesuits? They're behind everything. And, and, you know, right. and so it's like people are always enraged about that. And I, I think you, you, uh, you, know, you covered a lot of that with Derek Gilbert's uh, view from the bunker, and, and those were really good, and we'll link to those in the description section. But what led you down this path? Like what started you uh, looking at even the Illuminati in general, and then how did you stumble into the whole Jesuit thing? That's a great question. Uh, shout out to our brother Derek, and um, I still have a lot of contact with him. I love, love his work and his show. It, it started with a frustration. I'm, I'm very goal oriented. Uh, I don't like it when people say uh, globalists, or before I understood what Illuminati meant, they would say Illuminati, and it had no meaning to me. And I think that was part of a big psyop to purposefully have no meaning. Uh, when people say globalist or Illuminati, it's it's basically a catch-all phrase. And and I'm a former soldier. I spent time in the in the Marine Corps, the active duty army, the National Guard. That um, look when when there's an enemy, I want to know exactly who the enemy is and what their tactics are. Don't just give me some kind of a general uh, fluffy idea so that the, uh, there's no way to counterattack. And so I started looking into it. And the odd thing is, is the one of the premier experts on the um, on this issue is a neighbor of mine, a guy by the name of, of Eric Phelps. He was on a show that I was listening to, and he started giving out facts and names and dates, and, and it just clicked. I had that aha moment where I was like, oh, my goodness, they really were behind everything. And, and we'll just start with the Illuminati because, well, who is the Illuminati? Listen, there are letters. There's a letter from a gentleman by the name of uh, Pastor George Washington Snyder to President of the United States, George Washington, where they – 
mentioned directly the influence of the Bavarian Illuminati, and uh, Pastor Snyder was worried. Apparently he was a, I believe a German emigre who was a passionate, patriotic American, and he was writing to the president. That's how awesome is this? He writes to the president, the president writes him back. Yeah, sure. Uh, he said, look, I'm worried about the influence of this new sect in Freemasonry, the Bavarian Illuminati. And president Washington writes back and says, well, uh, I... I'm not aware that they have had a foothold here in America, although I have not been in a lodge. Of course, George Washington was a Mason, and he said to Pastor Snyder, I haven't been in a lodge really regularly in about 30 years. So, look, the Freemasons are a gateway to power especially in the United States, but there's always people that will shy away. There's always people that have a turn of conscience. There's always people that do the right thing by, by Christ and, and, and turn on their Luciferian masters. So there's also an, a letter between um, uh, Adams, John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson that speaks both of the Illuminati and the Jesuits. And so here's how it all comes together. We're going to start right off the bat with a punchline, is that when people say it's the Jews, it's the Zionists, this is a patented tactic of Rome, of the Vatican, of specifically of the Jesuits. They have used Jews again and again to hide behind, and the so-called Illuminati is a great example. The Illuminati was founded by a Jewish convert to Catholicism by the name of Adam Weishaupt, Weishaupt. and he was a, a Bavarian convert to Catholicism. He started his education with the Jesuits at the tender age of seven years old. Uh, I'm ready to, to basically call him an ordained Jesuit priest, although I, I don't want to speak without having an actual citation or reference. But he stayed with the Jesuits and eventually went to, on to teach canon law at Jesuit Ingolstadt University. And canon law is basically the legal precepts of the Roman Catholic Church. So if you're teaching the, the legal precepts of the Roman Catholic Church at a Jesuit university, chances are good you're actually an ordained Jesuit priest. So anybody who says they're an expert on the so-called Illuminati and they never say the word Jesuit, they're either should not call themselves an expert or they're what we might call a Jesuit coadjutor or coadjutor is someone who's not a priest, but is, you know, muddying up the waters for the Jesuits, because clearly, clearly the Jesuits were the ones behind the so-called Illuminati. They, they used the secret societies and the front groups as, um, uh, you know, plausible deniability to do their, their dirty work for them. Right. Right. For those who may not be uh, as familiar with what the Jesuits actually are, can you give us a little bit of an explanation of what that actually means? Sure, you bet. And uh, on the cross, Messiah said, it is done. And, and when Christ gave up his spirit, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the inner courtyard ripped from top to bottom. And I'm, I'm just saying this, and the hair on my arm's going up, because it was just such an incredible moment where religion was dead forever. It, first of all, religion couldn't get it done. The law could only point us towards how we need a savior. And from that moment on, religion was dead. Uh, we only need to go through Christ himself to get to the throne of almighty God. And 300 years later, mankind created another religion and actually stood on the blood of the cross to create that religion. And it started with Constantine who may or may not have been a friend to Christendom. I know a lot of people blame Constantine for the beginning of the Catholic Church, but really, Constantine's reforms were powerful. He uh, forbade child sacrifice. He forbade 
the prosecution, persecution of Christians. Um, and basically, it's very difficult to, to learn. Okay, maybe he was just really savvy, a savvy political guy. If you can't beat him, join him. But it, was, it wasn't until, oh my goodness, 10, 12, 15 years later with um, the Emperor Theodosius. Now, Theodosius is the guy that made Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire. And he's the one that created a syncretistic mix of true Christianity and Roman paganism, which was an offshoot of Greek paganism, which is an offshoot of all the way back to Egyptian, Babylonian, and Chaldean paganism. And so, you know, a lot of people like to criticize Christians and say, oh, yeah, the, uh, the child Messiah, that goes back to Horus, or that goes back to Tammuz. Right. But you know what? The, real, the reality is, is that the eternity, the truth of Christ is eternal. It was before Christ's um, incarnation as a human being and existed after Christ. So if you want to believe that, then that's fine, but you're believing pagan myth, whereas we have a much more solid proof of, of Christian truth. So um, to further on, because Roman Catholicism is basically a syncretistic mix, and my apologies to our Roman Catholic brethren, but ideas that Mary is co-redemptrix or co-mediatrix, um, that we shouldn't pray to Christ, we should pray to saints or angels. Those things just do not match up well with, with true Christianity. So this went on and began to become a new political animal in the Roman Catholic Church, and it mutated from the, from the Roman Empire into something much, much more insidious, something that began to work behind the scenes, still had a thirst for blood, for political power, for wealth, but it didn't use its own armies. People like to mock and say, oh, well, Stalin wasn't a, uh, Stalin wasn't a puppet of the Pope because Stalin said how many divisions of the Pope has. The, division has. the Pope has all the divisions of every military in the world because he controls it behind the scenes. He is Mystery Babylon. So we go further on into history, and good Christians started to rebel against this evil system. It started with uh, Wycliffe and Tyndale, um, men who were, as soon as they started to stand up and say, wait a minute, what do you mean that, that common Christians are not allowed to touch the Bible, that they're not allowed to see it in their, their quote, uh, rough pagan tongue or their, their, their natural-born tongue? It's going to stay in Latin. And, uh, and we have to go through our own priests, and we have to confess our sins through priests, and we have to give you money because you created this thing called purgatory, and then you're gonna, we're going to pay you, and then you're going to pray us out of purgatory. Just this horrible, horrible, evil system. So in 1517, a young Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther nailed 95 theses to the, uh, the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg, and it was a shot heard around the world. It was the, the, the final breaking away of uh, you know, a, a protest against this horrible, evil system of, of a political system of blood. And from then on, it was extremely dangerous, caught like wildfire, and the church had no idea how to combat it. I'll let you keep going, but just, just as a side note here, Chris Pinto in some of his films points out the Waldensians who came right after the Protestant Reformation, and they were, they were a group of Christians who opposed a lot of the Roman Catholic Church teachings that you pointed out there. And, I mean, they were, like, massacred by the Catholic Church. You know, there was a whole history of, uh, you know, of basically they're being wiped out, and there's a couple massacres in history that have talked about that. But, you know, it's just a point to go to show that, you know, because oftentimes you're, 
you know, dare I say, uninformed sort of atheist will say, well, look at your Christians, you know, you've killed so many people, blah, blah, blah. But it, you know, it's a deeper issue than that. It's, it usually involves the Catholic, uh, the Roman Catholic Church and the papacy and their sort of political uh, might, if you will, and their political agendas interfering with normal peaceful people trying to read the Bible and those people were killed. So God, every time people mock Christianity, every time they, they use an example of Christians having done evil, whether it's the crusade or the inquisition, they're not talking about Christians. They're talking about Rome. They're talking about Catholicism. That's not Christianity. Right. There has been no organization in the world since the Roman empire that has slaughtered more Christians than any other except for Rome. Fox's Book of Martyrs is built entirely on how many Christians Rome has tortured and murdered. And that's why we read in um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and and Daniel 2 and and Daniel's vision in chapter 7 and then the Beast of Revelation, Protestants in particular have always known of the progression of the, uh, the beasts of the empires the first empire was, was Babylon. It's uh, the gold head of Nebuchadnezzar's giant human statue, and then the, the silver torso of Medo-Persia, and then the uh, bronze, the bronze uh, um, loins of, of Greece, and then the cast iron, raw iron legs of Rome and, uh, and the Orthodox Church, and then the feet of iron and miry clay. Why is it that that fourth beast becomes very, very different from the other previous three beasts? I believe it's because that beast has morphed into something that is far more insidious. Like like we were talking about just a little while ago, they don't have – it's truly mystery Babylon. When the devil took uh, Christ up to a high mountain and said, hey – all of this I can give to you if you worship me. He wasn't saying, I own the earth, I rule the earth. No, the, the devil doesn't rule the earth. We do. We do. The sons of God through the blood of Christ, just like Adam was a son of God, he was entrusted in stewardship over the whole earth. It's ours. But the devil has insinuated himself with this mystery Babylon system through wealth and power and intrigue and secret societies. That's how he rules. And it's only because Christians haven't taken a stand to take it back. And and I'm not getting into dominionism or any of that other foolishness, but the fact is that too many Christians are asleep at the wheel. Pause. Let me go back and finish and answer your question. Where um, uh, Where did the Society of Jesus come from, the Jesuits? So the, the wildfire, the Protestant Reformation took place, and, and Rome was, was shocked because here the truth was getting out. I love when people uh, quote our, our Lord, the truth will set you free. Wait a minute. You don't even know that it was Jesus who said that. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He will set you free. He is the ultimate red pill. And, and that's why I believe that, that Christians like yourself and Basil – uh, who, who really are the best, most qualified to get into these topics because everybody has an agenda, everybody has a bias. But well-disciplined Christians, we look ourselves in the mirror, and our bias is nothing. Our bias is truth to see the truth of Christ done. So we're not going to twist things and spin things. So the Catholic Church is scrambling for a way to combat the, um, uh, the Protestant Reformation. Along comes a Spanish Basque by the name of uh, Ignatius Loyola, he was a young ruffian. He was um, uh, wounded in battle. His legs were shattered in battle, and he was forced to convalesce with um, uh, at, at a Catholic uh, 
believe it was a Catholic seminary. And as he's convalescing, he had a, a terrible life-changing moment where he realized that he couldn't be a soldier. He couldn't get his days of glory. He was going to originally claim that he was going to serve Christ, but later that mutated into a service to Mary. And as a result of that, uh, very similar to Muhammad, he spent months in a cave um, in, in disciplining himself, self-flagellation, prayer, meditation, and unfortunately most of his, his focus was on Mary. So from here, he came up with the idea that he was going to win back Jerusalem and win back uh, the world for the Pope, take it from the Muslims and, and, and crush the Reformation, crush the, the, the heretic Protestants. And that was in 1534. He was presented to the Pope in 1540, and he was allowed to create a, a new order, which was originally called, um, uh, it's been so many different names, the, 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 basically his company, the Company of Loyola, was later uh, uh, colloquial, colloquially named the Jesuits. And isn't it interesting that uh, the, the Jesuits have a, um, a periodic magazine that's called the Company, and yet that's also a slang term for the CIA. And that's mm. probably because the Jesuits run the CIA. Mm. Yeah, uh, I just pulled up the uh, Loyola Marymount, you know, University about page, the brief history, and I mean, they just straight up tell you, you know, Saint Ignatius Loyola, founder of the Society of Jesus, sanctioned the foundation of his order's first school in 1548, and uh, you know, that's the origin of Loyola Marymount, you know, because uh, you know, you often talk to Christians around here, and they're like, oh, we're going to Loyola, and it's like, you know, oh, staying in Christian schools and stuff. But uh, alas, right, it's controlled. Right. Well, it's an interesting thing because um, you know the the word Jesuit or the the concept of the Jesuits is is not necessarily lost on everybody in uh, you know just modern regular culture. If you remember to our uh, good buddy Charlie Sheen, who in addition to drinking tiger's blood and having all sorts of superpowers, calls himself a Jesuit assassin. And so people have that phrase floating around in their head. And I don't think anybody really knows for sure what that means. On, on purpose, Basil, right on. You're spot on. Right. The, the, Sheens, the Sheens are part of the, the Jesuit handlers for, for Alex Jones. That's why they were so close. Martin Sheen... Um, that's not his real name. Estevez is his real name. He took his stage name from Bishop Fulton Gene Sheen. They are, are fanatical Catholics, and what most people don't understand is that the, the far left side of the political spectrum is owned by the Vatican, by the Catholic Church. The Jesuits created communism. And it wasn't until Charlie Sheen made that statement. I have to double-check my date, but it wasn't until that, that, that uh, Charlie Sheen made that statement on the Alex Jones program about uh, you know, being invincible and Vatican assassins, that he was outed as basically a porn king and fell from grace and lost his contract with uh, two and a half men because he had to be disciplined for outing the power behind, behind his family and behind Hollywood. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, you bet. So I just want to take a step back real quick. You mentioned at the top of the show about Israel being a junior player in the, you know, this sort of game or this sort of uh, system that we're here to talk about. What do you mean by that? And who else is a junior player? And obviously the United States or the CIA would be considered 
maybe a major player. Uh, maybe can, yeah. can you go a little sure. bit into that uh, part of the world system here? Sure. Basically, every major nation, major Western nation, is a junior player in this plot. Basically, through their their intelligence agencies and their banking systems, and those are run by the secret societies. And the easy ones to trace back to Rome are the Knights of Columbus, the Knights of Malta. They clearly have a a Catholic heritage. The ones that are not as easy to trace back but are just as traceable are, say, Skull and Bones or um, the Freemasons. Now, Skull and Bones is still pretty straightforward, traceable back to Rome. Uh, William F. Buckley, big CIA asset and analyst, uh, one of the original bonesmen from Yale, staunch Catholic. Um, also, uh, John Kerry, Skull and Bones. I have a great uh, 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 little vignette in my book about one of Barack Obama's speechwriters. Everybody always makes fun of the teleprompter in chief. The guy can't even talk to a bunch of sixth graders. He literally can't talk to sixth graders without having teleprompters. It looks absolutely comical. That's because he's 100% a puppet. And one example of we have to ask a question, who is writing what goes on this guy's teleprompter? Well, one of the young men that writes what goes on the teleprompter is a speechwriter by the name of John Favreau. And uh, Favreau was Jesuit educated, and, and you guys were talking about education, Jesuit education. It is critical to understand that while under a Jesuit's tutelage, that's where someone is selected for further use down the line. And sometimes they start their indoctrination right then and there. John Favre was Jesuit educated. He was given to Catholic John Forbes Carey as, uh, uh, as an aide for some time. And he went from Catholic John Kerry to writing speeches for Barack Obama. There's a, a write-up in the Boston Globe where John Favreau actually says that it's important to him that the politicians that he works for comport with the ideals of the Jesuit order who taught him. And it was shocking to me because here I'm reading, okay, Jesuit educated, big deal, doesn't really matter. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It does matter because that's where you're getting this indoctrination. And that's where the Jesuits are picking people to use. People get into, you guys have heard of, of Carol Quigley and Tragedy and Hope and yeah. how Carol Quigley was behind the, um, the raising of, of Bill Clinton and teaching Bill Clinton about the, the secret mach machinations of who really rules the world and the powerful families and the banking. Carol Quigley taught at Georgetown. Georgetown is a Jesuit university. As a matter of fact, there are several Catholic families that, that were insinuated, insinuated from America's founding and continued to plague the country as agents of the Vatican, and the Carroll family is one of the first. Listen, the family, family Research Council and, and, and Tony Perkins, and he talks about the Carroll family like they're Christians and they're people that we should be bragging about. Wait a minute. They were actually Vatican insurgents. The, um, the Carrolls, I think it was... John Carroll, that was a Jesuit priest that, that instituted Georgetown University, and Georgetown is basically the epicenter of control for the Vatican on the United States. Um, wow. You know, the, so uh, Carroll Quigley was teaching at Georgetown when he wrote Tragedy and Hope, and guess who was one of the young students he was teaching? He was teaching Bill Clinton. And how people don't understand that Bill Clinton was Jesuit trained. He learned from Carol Quigley while they were at Georgetown. Another great example is Jesuit trained George Tennant, who, who I believe is also a Knight of Malta. George Tennant was in charge of things during the high treason of 9-11. 
George Tenet was the overseer. We had another, uh, actually Christian brothers, not necessarily Jesuit trained, but the Jesuits have infiltrated other orders. Um, Rudolf Rudy, Rudy the crossdresser Giuliani, was in charge of things in New York City during 9-11, and he was Christian brothers trained from high school on into college. He was the, the Vatican man in New York City. So Georgetown is there from, uh, from Georgetown overseeing things. He gets to resign. Nobody, nobody questions him. Then as a result of 9-11, they come up with the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act is basically going to start the enslavement of America to destroy the Constitution. Um, and who wrote the Patriot Act? A Georgetown Catholic law professor by the name of Viet D. Din. And Viet Dinh was a, is a um, Vietnamese emigre and, and a Catholic and a, a Georgetown law professor. The, um, the man behind Homeland Security, who, why are we calling this agency Homeland Security? Is this Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia? Homeland Security? And you can't, who come up with a name like that? Well, we only think of, of Helmers, I believe Michael Chertoff, who was Jewish, is again one of those guys that gets propped up. I think he was the second. I don't think he was the first um, director of Homeland Security. The first director, I believe, was John C. Gannon, who was also Jesuit trained. And you throw Chertoff up as, again, one of those uh, poor Jewish guys that say, oh, it's the Jews, it's the Zionists. Chertoff's wife teaches at Georgetown. Mm. So Georgetown is the epicenter for control by the, by the Vatican, by the Jesuits of America. And, and here's why. Here's the bottom line. The Counter-Reformation, which is the fight, the, the, the Jesuit fight, the Catholic fight against the Reformation, is that dramatic hatred, the, the Protestant Reformation was the acorn. It sprouted from guys, even if they were uh, you know, subject to the Enlightenment, we don't look very kindly on the Enlightenment because it tried to possibly subvert our understanding of the Lord and, and substitute with science. They really do go together. That's a different, different discussion. But guys like Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, uh, Baron de Montesquieu, these are the brains behind our founding generation. And our founding generation lived self-determination. The idea that, and before this, it was all feudalism. It was the serfs, the peons, the campesinos, those little people, those peasants. You till the land, you feed the elite. There's an aristocracy of knights and lords, and amongst them is what we call the praetorian class, the cops and the soldiers, and they protect the super elite, the tiny, tiny group of Luciferians at the very top. And it's all very nicely insulated, and it's all the haves versus the have-nots. They are the original 1%, and we are the 99%. And for the first time in human history, there was an American experiment which talked about self-determination and, and, and the binding document, a rule of law, not a rule of man, said that the common man can own property and defend it with his own personal firearms. Absolutely unheard of. And since then, the United States of America has been the chief target of the Counter-Reformation and of Vatican and of, of Rome. And, and we're almost entirely under Rome's control right now. Mm. So, so it's kind of like a tugging war, it seems like, even with a lot of you know, the historical figures that we easily label as Freemasons, it seems like, you know, for example, Andrew Jackson or someone, you know, warned against it, but then at the same time, he was probably, you know, propped up because of the same people that he was skeptical of and that sort of thing. But, you know, just touching on the couple points you mentioned, you mentioned John Favreau, the speechwriter, um, just double checking to make sure you're not talking about John Favreau, exact same spelling, by the way, American actor and director, you know, the guy who made 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Iron that Man. guy that thought he was going to be um, uh, the uh, uh, Tony Stark's driver. Yeah, that 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 guy looks about as much like um, uh, what's his his character's name is Happy something or other. It's like Xboxer who was uh, Tony Stark's. I'm big in the comic book, so yeah. <laughs> no, not that John Favreau. I think you're exactly right. His name is spelled exactly the same. Right. It's actually you just look up John Favreau, speechwriter, Boston Globe, and you'll come up with the right guy. And he's, and he's a young guy. I mean, born in '81, and he's 33 right. years old now. So it's interesting right. to me that a a guy so young is is writing speeches for Obama. It's just a very bizarre, you know, just sort of conceptually, it's kind of because, weird. Yeah, because he was Jesuit trained, and and the Freemasons are are the secret weapon of the Vatican, of the Roman Catholic Church, because they have this front that they are their mortal enemies. They even have it in the oath. I, I was looking at that this morning. The oath of the Knights of Columbus that the Freemasons are their mortal enemies. No, they're not. You control the Freemasons. There's some great examples in history of Catholic insurgents who are also Freemasons. And one of the best is Pierre-Charles L'Enfant, who was the architect of one of the most Freemasonic cities in the world, Washington District of Columbia. And uh, L'Enfant was selected by Pierre-Augustine Caron de Beaumarchais, who was a traitor, a French traitor whose family were Protestant Huguenots, and the Catholic Church, just like you're saying, God, the Catholic Church destroyed the Protestants of France, the poor Huguenots, there's not a single Huguenot alive today because of uh, a Catholic crusades against the Protestants there in France. So Beaumarchais... Beaumarchais was selecting Catholic insurgents to send to uh, America, and L'Enfant was one of the first guys to be sent. And it's just crazy that uh, L'Enfant laid out very, very Masonic uh, um, architecture of Washington, D.C., and he was not able to finish it. And you know why he wasn't able to finish it? It's because he plowed over the house of the Carroll family. Hmm. And I'm thinking, what is going on there? He was actually fired by George Washington himself. Was this some sort of a power battle within the Catholic insurgency in the United States? But after L'Enfant was was kicked out, his plan was followed basically to the letter. And L'Enfant is a great example of a Catholic, and I have a citation in my, in my, my book. And yeah, I want to make a, a side note. Look, anybody can, can come up with crazy theories. That's why it's critical for me, it was critical for me, to have 826 pages and over 2,000 citations, most of them from sources that people would accept. Because that's really how you prove your point, particularly in uh, you know, alternative news, alternative media, right. that is in and of itself so co-opted is you have to be able to prove your point. So Lan Fon, and I have a citation of this, was part of, let's see, the Holland... Oh, yeah, the, the, the Masons themselves claim L'Enfant was one of theirs. Uh, from the book, The Masonic Career of Major Pierre Charles L'Enfant by Pierre de Rebel de Escalapon, 32nd degree Mason, Valley of Rockville Center. And he claimed him was from Holland Lodge Number 8 in New York City. So L'Enfant was both a Catholic and a Freemason. And here's the crazy thing, is the Scottish Rite Freemasons, they're the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, Supreme Council, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. That's usually just abbreviated Scottish Rite SJ. You know who else uses that uh, acronym SJ? The Society of Jesus. So here's a little, a little tidbit for people who know this, that we really control the Freemasons. 
Another great example of someone who was a Catholic and a Freemason is uh, John Wilkes Booth. John Wilkes Booth, you you say, who who killed Lincoln? Oh, it was a lone gunman, just like Lee Harvey Oswald. John John Wilkes Booth was a lone gunman. No, 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 no. It wasn't a lone gunman. There was an entire family called the Surratt family who was behind the the, the plot. They did all the, the, um, the planning at the Surratt family home. Mary Surratt, the mother, and John Surratt, who was in training to be a Catholic priest, were the actual people that were that were pulling off this uh, this assassination attempt. And there are there are sources like uh, former Jesuit Charles uh, Tinkley, who said that Lincoln believed the Catholic Church was behind the whole Civil War in the first place, uh-huh. and that he fully expected to be uh, assassinated. The Jesuits that they, they are the best in the world at assassination. And John Wilkes Booth was supposedly a member of Albert Pike's Knights of the Golden Circle, or Freemason sect, and he was also a Catholic. Ouch. Yikes. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a great source. Um, I like to quote Helena Blavatsky, pagan Luciferian mystic. Yes, and she has a quote... Before we get going on this any further, because uh, the interview is quite long, it looks like it's about two hours and one minutes. Sounds like one of my interviews. I want to address the question about the Protestants. Uh, some good questions were posted here. Thanks, Gr. Jen Art. <laughs> um, Listen, uh, let's listen to this, okay. Uh, as far as the Constantine starting the Order of the Red Cross, I don't know for sure. That's something I never asked, another question I ever asked, but I will. Um, I looked up uh, Martin Luther's uh, devotee of Mary, a Mary devotee. Um, for his writing, she was the mediator. Well, could be. Could be. Um Oh, yeah, that's a fine. Patriot Act cites the National Security Act. Okay. Uh, let's look at this question, though. The question, uh, as far as of the, uh, Fox's books, Book of Martyrs, doesn't tell of the killings by Protestants, like the Anabaptists and other groups that will go in with the Daughters of Rome. And you're right. You're absolutely right. And it talks about in the Bible about the Daughters of Rome. A lot of these Protestant churches, they, they started out with good intentions and turned, once again, church and state blended together. And that's one issue. And another issue is, is that just because a man is a Protestant doesn't mean he's actually a follower of Christ. What do I mean by that? Just because a man protests, is protesting against Rome, doesn't necessarily mean that he was a true follower of Christ and Christ's teachings. Uh, if they were, they would be not doing that. Uh, because here are the question, uh, questions that need answers to, but do mean all Protestants are bad? It's, no, of course not. This like not all Roman Catholics are bad. There's many people say that there are many of God's children in the Roman Catholic Church. They're just deceived. Uh, and yes, the Jesuits infiltrated the Protestant Church. Uh, early on, uh, not, not only the Jesuits, though, but other orders, too. 
and through things like Freemasonry and that kind of thing, yeah, infiltrated the Protestants. Early on, we look at the, the Protestant churches, uh, many of them, not just today, not just because there's there are 501c3 churches, uh, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, were corrupt. They were part of the extermination of the Native Americans. And you can do the history of Canada and, in, and the United States of America and how Rome, and you got to remember that the majority of the time, Britain was in allegiance with Rome. Rome used Britain to colonize a big portion of the other world. People like to say, well, well, Britain was a Protestant nation. So they were. They gave us the Bible, but they weren't Protestant for very long. And the uh, Jesuits were heavily infiltrated them. In fact, if you listen, here's a very good suggestion that I have for anybody, is to go back to my last two recordings, and you're going to get blown away. You're going to know so much information from these two recordings. The first one is Absolute Evil. You're going to learn a ton about the Jesuits. Masonry involved in it and all that kind of stuff. And that man of sin is another one. But these last two, it's about five hours worth of information. You get on listening to that, you're going to understand the Jesuits and their role. Now, when it comes to the uh, Protestants, in the truth of the matter, if we look, who were those fighting the Civil War? Who fought World War One and World War Two? Who's fought in all these other papal wars? Many Protestants. I think the point is a lot of them are been deceived. Rockerville created the Red Cross? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, I'm certain he's getting credit with the modern day Red Cross is, as far as what we know the Red Cross to be in the general public. But as far as what you're saying, asked earlier about the the order of the Red Cross could be something different. I'll get to that. Um, yeah, we have to be intellectually honest about things. And uh, the Jesuits certainly infiltrated the Protestants. But even then, just because a person was a Protestant didn't mean they were a good person or called themselves a Protestant. And um, let's face it, uh, it was Protestants through uh, Germany and Great Britain, they colonized, colonized a big portion of this world and killed millions of people. I have to go back to this whole thing that talks about Revelation, about, you know, her daughter churches, and then about <clears throat> what she accomplishes. She'd be in the Rome, the Romanist church, and um, we have to look at eighteen. You know what it says here. It talks about. In the, I keep bringing this up. It says here. Well, first of all, it goes there. The light of the candle shall shine no more. And this is verses uh, twenty-three, twenty-four, chapter eighteen. The light of the candle shall shine no more. At all, the the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at her. 
and all in it, and thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by their sorceries were all nations deceived. In her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints, and all, remember this, folks, they keep on forgetting about this, and all that were slain upon the earth. <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter is, Rome had an unholy alliance even with the Protestant church, if we're honest about it. I'm talking about the leadership now. I'm talking about how they exploited and used the ignorance of their own church and their own churches. You know, that's what the message in this show keeps, that we keep trying to, I try to keep reiterating, and I have other people share, is that it's the Bible, Bible on Christ and Christ alone. If you let somebody else be your mediator, says Christ, if you let a priest or a pastor, uh, you've pretty much given up your right to that personal relationship with God, and you're so easily manipulated. And we just have endless examples of the Protestant church, what's left of it as well, of being the bad behavior. Let's be honest. Let's just really be honest about things. Okay, he did the International Red Cross, but not the Order of the Red Cross. That's what I figured. As far as the Red Cross, I'm not quite sure when the the beginning of the Order of the Red Cross started. It wasn't something that I have researched, so it's a good question. Thank you. Um, Don't have all the answers, me personally. Uh, Yeah, but if we look at the truth about the Protestant churches, yes, Protestant and Martin Luther and others, you know, they gave us the Word of God. Um, but that doesn't mean that every Protestant did something great for us. <laughs> that doesn't mean that everybody um, who called himself a Protestant was actually following the Word of God. And just a reality of things. So, yeah, but, but here's the other thing too. When we look at what the Protestants have done compared to what Rome has done, and in particular the Jesuits, they pay on comparison. I mean, as far as the sin of death and murder and exploitation and and uh, just the absolute corruption of this world, nothing compares to the Jesuit order. <laughs> That and also the papal knighthoods, like the Knights, Knights of Malta, Knights of Columbus, and all the other endless ones. And by the way, a lot of them end up being leadership of the, uh, the Protestant Church. Um, you can still be a Jesuit and be a Baptist. You can still be a Jesuit and be a, a Buddhist. Of course, we've mentioned this numerous times in this show now, and this is the truth. Uh, and you'll find, you'll find over and over again these men that's played the whole the role the whole life of being the leader of say the Southern Baptist Church, and you can find out in their deathbeds that they are converted to uh, the Roman Catholic Church. It's kind of like here's a good example. It's, I don't know if it's a great example, but it's an example. Palin. Palin just 
came out and said she joined the Roman Catholic Church. Now that you're, you're Jesuitists, you're male Jesuits and female Jesuits. A lot of them, they're educated by the Jesuits. They go their way, still stay connected with them, follow their marching orders, and when it's time, they come back. They join the church. It's a brilliant tactic they've had for a long time. So, uh, Don't forget, you know, you got people like Schofield and Darby and all this that uh, were not officially members of the Roman Catholic Church. They were actually representatives of the Protestant Church who end up deceiving more and more of the Protestants and creating this Christian Zionism. So, just like there's Jesuit Jews and uh, Jesuits, all sorts of things. They have managed to infiltrate everything, and uh, we'll be fascinating tomorrow for those who definitely come back and listen to that show. I will be um, discussing more about the Jesuits' involvement in Korea and I'll be reading a letter my dad wrote to my mom for uh, when he was in Korea. And uh, once again, I'll re- reiterate just a little bit of reading about uh, the fact that uh, the big winners in the Korean War was the Jesuits. Now they tried for hundreds of years to infiltrate Korea and couldn't until the Korean War. Finally gave them a footing, a foothold, if you will. So, and by the way, guess what? They used a lot of Protestants to f- prosecute that war. <laughs> so, you know, as far as religion, or organized religion goes, um, the fact of the matter is, nobody is innocent. And I guarantee you, whether the Seventh-day Adventists or the Baptists or, or um, whoever it may be, there's a lot of accountability, a lot, on all ends. But um, as far as understanding the head of the serpent, head of the beast, if you will, we do have to understand the Jesuits and, and their their role. Um, well, it, here's the thing. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, here's the thing. When it comes to this, um, the truth of the matter is, that is true. Protestants were or are the most biblical group, but it depends what you mean by that. Biblical historical Christianity has always been coming out of the Protestant movement, Protestants. And it has not been the Roman Catholic Church, and it has not been from any other really group, if we're honest about things. So, but, you know, I guess what it comes down to, are you going to, you know, believe in the group or find the truth, the message, wherever it may be? (laughs) And so, you know, this whole thing about... um, uh, you know, Protestants, well, yeah, the Waldensians, the Albensians, um, a lot of them. Uh, there's been a lot of biblical 
true Christians. The Protestants is one of them. Protestants is a reflection of the protesting against the church. Uh, but there are biblical groups of Christians prior to the Protestant movement. And there were biblical Christians, you know, obviously since, you know, soon after the death of Christ. So um, the thing is, when it comes to Roman Catholicism, there's absolutely no way, period. Can't You can't say it's a biblical church, that it is a church that follows the teachings of Christ or even honors the Bible. Once again... <laughs> My last recording, you listened to the Pope himself saying that it's a bad thing to read the Bible and that we shouldn't take the Bible literally. This is the Pope saying it. So, couldn't find too many Protestant leaders saying that, would you? So, and uh, the important thing in all this is Jesuits are not the same thing as Roman Catholics. The Jesuits took over the Roman Catholic Church along with everything else. Started out there as a military arm of the papacy, took over the papacy as well. The Jesuits do not believe in Christ. They believe in Lucifer. And just because we're talking about Jesuits doesn't mean we're talking about Roman Catholics. There are many Roman Catholics that believe in Jesus Christ. They're just being misled. Just like there's many Baptists that are being taught dispensational fisherism and Christian Zionism and are being misled. Uh, just like many other groups of people who have false teachers and false leaders who are at the top, Luciferians, controlled by the Jesuits, once again, because it's just overwhelming. <laughs> I know the whole thing, yeah, well, gosh, you guys, you think there's a Jesuit on every rock? Well, there is. <laughs> That's the reality of things, so. Anyways, I just wanted to address that just a little bit. It's it's not satisfactory. I don't know what to do about it, except the fact that we have to... uh, Yes, certainly there's been... Protestants have been at guilt for many things that are wrong in the world. And... Constantine Mary Cleopatra? I don't think so. Cleopatra was long before Constantine ever showed up. Unless we're talking about different Cleopatra. Um, anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll get back to listening to Johnny, but I just want to put deal with that a little bit and just to say yeah you're right uh, Protestants aren't innocent but let's also remember that that's really a bogus argument the whole bogus argument about Protestants versus Roman Catholics it's not really a legit argument because it's really not about that what it comes down to in the end of the day is are you going to be a follower of Jesus Christ or are you going to be a follower of men that's the real issue and uh, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you follow him, you follow his word, well, you're not going to do the things that have been done in the past. You're not going to be <laughs> serving Rome. You're not going to be fighting their wars. You'd be what, you know, if it means that you're going to end up 
in the gallows or under a guillotine. You're gonna you're gonna stand for God's truth. You're not just gonna serve Rome and think that somehow God's gonna honor that. You know, and that's the way it comes. That's how I see it. I don't. You know, there's definitely processing is a lot to be accounted for. A lot there's a lot of things that he had to fess up to. But it pales in comparison to what Rome has done. And that's the honest truth as well. And at the same token, they are the daughters churches of Rome, and so we have to be honest about that as well. This is not about joining a church. This is about whether you're going to be a follower of Christ or not. You can go join a church. There's one down the street. That's really easy to do. But follow Jesus Christ as a whole other thing. And most people, well, they'd rather play church than actually follow God. <laughs> That's just the way it is, right? All right, we'll get back to this. Here. Yeah, she's someone that uh, I've quoted extensively in my work, and also uh, just looking at the writings, it's, it's just bizarre. I mean, it's crazy. It's a, from about the late 1880s. Uh, one of her books, I believe it was The Secret Doctrine, or maybe it was Isis Unveiled, was the bedside reading for Hitler. And uh, I'm running out of things to say. Well, just sure, no, no, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she was. It's great. Here's how you get truth out of these people: is that you wait for them to fight amongst themselves. And in ISIS unveiled, Blavatsky outed the Jesuits as mystics, teachers of black magic, and also the puppet masters behind so many of the secret sects. She quotes her insider, a guy by the name of Charles Soterin, uh, corresponding secretary of the New York Liberal Club. And Soterin says, it is curious to note that two, two TOO, the most of the bodies that work these, such as the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite, the Rite of Avignon, the Order of the Temple, and I'm not quite sure if he's talking about the OTO, he could be. Fessler's right, the Grand Council of the Emperors of East and West, the Sovereign Prince Masons, etc., etc., all are nearly the offspring of the sons of Ignatius Loyola. Uh, wow. Yeah. That's how they get their, their plausible deniability. They run them from the background, the secret societies, and so... There's good reason why the Lord Jesus Christ said, what they do in secret, I will out in the open. Do not fear them. Do not fear the ones that can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill body and throw the soul into fiery hell. And he is talking directly to us, the watchkeepers, the watchmen on the wall, in regards to these secret societies that are so good at assassination. Do not fear the assassins. Fear me and work for me. Yeah. Amen. So... Now, we've talked a lot about these Jesuit assassins and things like that, and, um, you know, it's it's no surprise to any of our listeners that, uh, you know, there are some dark happenings going on behind the scenes with false flags and things like that, and we mentioned a little bit about how other countries are involved as well. I mean, is there anything... Um, I mean, you mentioned earlier the, the Western countries being junior players or senior players or whatever, but what's going on in the East? And is there any, 
is there any signal going on, you know, great the Russia question. and China uh, thing? Great question. And uh, they're, they're, unfortunately, they're, they're all either partially controlled or insinuated or have insurgents or have traitors in them. The um, In the East, I have a lot of hope. You know, people say, well, pray for your politicians. Listen, <laughs> most of them are long gone. When you... Uh, make your bed with the devil long enough, and you look back, and eh, anybody can be saved at any time, so I'm not saying don't pray. Uh, I'm saying, for me personally, I pray for people that, that I want to have the most bang for my buck. And when I look around the world, there's not a single country that isn't co-opted or owned, but there are countries that give me hope, and one of them is, is Russia. Now, Russia has an interesting past, and it's intimately intertwined with the Catholic Church and the Jesuits. The Jesuits were getting kicked out of every single country in the world because they were being found out to be insurgents. And each and every country that kicked them out, they opened their little black book and said, you will pay. And uh, they made those nations pay. And in 1820s, our Alexander II kicked the Jesuits out of Russia, and they wrote Russia down in a little black book, and they wrote the Romanovs down in a little black book. And prior to that, uh, because they were getting kicked out of every single nation around the world, the, the, there was pressure on even Catholic nations to the Vatican and to, to Rome, to the Pope, to disband them. They had enough. There were Catholic nations, and they're still insinuating trying to take us over. And so... Clement XIII was about to disband them, and he suddenly died. Ooh. Clement XIV replaced him, and he, able, he was able to disband the Jesuits, and then he died, and he was poisoned so horribly that his body began to decay as he was still alive. Wow. He wasted away, and he was still alive. And that was Clement XIV, and I believe that was in 1773 that he disbanded the Jesuits. So Jesuits ran to Russia, and Catherine the Great, and Catherine was a, was a friend to the American Revolution. She was a Prussian, part of the Luciferian bloodline, the, the so-called Illuminati bloodline. Look, people that run their nations aren't true citizens because they're co-opted. You don't want someone that is true blood, true, true born, to believe in their nation, to run that nation, because you want them to be able to betray people. So Catherine didn't necessarily betray Russia, but she was Prussian. She wasn't Russian. So she gave uh, comfort and solace to the Jesuits while they were uh, broken down, while they were, they were disbanded. And then they, they created their puppet, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte. And Napoleon took the, uh, the Pope of his day, which was Pius VI. And um, he had, and these are all facts we can look up on our own, uh, the, the Jesuit whispering in the ear of Napoleon, guiding him to be the armies of the Pope, was Joseph Emmanuel Seiss. Abby Size, and he was Jesuit trained, and he may have even been Jesuit ordained. So he was guiding the um, Napoleon as the sword of Rome, and Napoleon imprisoned Pius number six, and Pius number six wasted away and, and, and died in prison a short time after that. And the purpose was to to put pressure on Rome and the Vatican to reinstitute the Jesuits, and that's that's what happened. The replacement for Pius VI was Pius VII, and he was immediately imprisoned by Napoleon, and he saw the light and reinstituted the Jesuits. So when the Jesuits were reinstituted, they immediately started to subvert themselves to, to work again. They had come up with the doctrines of communism through uh, philosophers, Catholic philosophers like Thomas Aquinas about the, the, the communal sharing of property. They had perfected communism in the 
reductions, the reduction settlements in the late 1700s in South America. But um, you ever see the mission? The mission is a movie with um, oh, Knight of Malta, Robert De Niro, Liam Neeson is in it, Jeremy Irons is in it. It's pure um, Jesuit propaganda, and, and really just mimics. Uh, the life of Loyola, and how these poor Jesuits are in South America. They just want to help the native people know. They were enslaving the native peoples. They were isolating them, um, having them work slave labor, and then sending back the proceeds to Spain and Portugal and and to Rome. So this is where communism was perfected. And uh, from there, just a few years later, there was a a young man named – get his full name. It was – Maximilian? Internet. Google, give us the answers. Well, everybody knows him as Karl Marx. Uh. Um, and Karl, Karl Marx was being trained by um, Jesuits in uh, Trier. And the Jesuits had located him in, it's like Karl Heinrich Marx is his full name. I just wanted to be precise. Um, was was originally selected by the Jesuits in Trier in uh, like grammar school. And Trier was a, a Catholic bastion inside Protestant Germany. So Protestant Germany was on the hit list for the Jesuits, and so was Russia. So the Jesuits selected Karl Marx in Trier, and then later Karl Marx was creating communism in a private reading room in the British Museum, and one of the Jesuits' own, an ex-Jesuit by the name of Alberto Rivera, let us know that the Jesuits were in secret, in private, spoon-feeding Karl Marx the tenets of Catholic communism. And from there, they sent it over to be executed by their other puppets, Jesuit trains, Freemasons, um, Jewish frontmen like Trotsky, um, by Josip Dushkashvili, who later changed his name to Joseph Stalin. Stalin was uh, trained in a, a supposedly orthodox seminary in Tiflis, but the orthodox seminary was run by the Jew, by the Jesuits. And um, he he told his biographer uh, M. L. Cohen that it was really the Jesuits who ran this Orthodox seminary. And, of course, Stalin was Georgian. Like we were saying, you, don't, you never let someone that is a true-born nationalist or, or patriot run a nation. And so it was under Stalin that, that uh, the real punishment of the poor Russian people uh, was executed. For 40 million people that Stalin and his purges, most of them were Russians, Christian Slavs. They were all part of the punishment of the Christian Slavs sure. because of how they had kicked out the Jesuits in 1820 with Alexander II. And you remember the, uh, the big, the, the hubbaloo and, and the, uh, the Serb, the war, the Bosnian-Serbian war. Well, well, now who was behind that? That was Willie Clinton, Jesuit trained William Jefferson Clinton. And what was really that what was going on was Christian Serbs were being punished by the Jesuit masters. And the, there was a, uh, a, a new, um, Muslim, the, the, the new training base, Afghanistan and, and Eastern Europe was being created in Bosnia. And to this very day, the, the U.S. National Guard, National Guards all across the country still have rotations into Serbia because we're doing the will of the Pope. Wow. That's what Ukraine is all about, too. Right. Well, I was just going to say, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, Russia.
Russia. There's a lot of Russia stuff going on, especially here in the United States. You know, it, it almost seems like this, I mean, at least to my generation where we, we, you know, didn't necessarily get a chance to participate in all this Russia fearing. Um, it seems like there's this new surge of revival oh, of the cold war. Right. Revival of this, like Russia's the scary guy. You know, it's obviously. completely contrived, Basil. It's completely contrived. And what I was trying to say earlier until I got off sidetracked, I, for some reason I do that, I'm ADHD, <laughs> um, is that you, you were saying, well, who is there anybody else in the world? Look, pray for everybody in this nation, but, but also pray in particular for Russia, for uh, Vladimir Putin, for the people of Russia. I honestly believe that Vladimir Putin uh, is someone that was handpicked to carry on the, the front, to be an intelligence insider and to keep on and, and, and uh, harm the Russian people the way that our own politicians harm the American people. And he had one of those wake-up moments where he said, you know what, I'm actually going to work for the Russian people. Now, he's not necessarily, um, a, you know, the, the anti-New World Order folk hero that, that we would like him to be, but he's not towing the full line. So as a result, I think that um, as part of the PSYOP, it's the communists, it's the Jews, it's the Muslims, now it's also the Russians. It's all part of the PSYOP, so we don't see the traces back to Rome. And look, the Soviet Union fell, the, the, of course, the communism, the Vatican was behind communism, and uh, actually a great source for what happened is uh, Father Malachi Martin, the famed um, demon exorcist who is uh, one, the only former Jesuit that I know of, a man that was allowed to leave the Society of Jesus and not be, uh, well, yeah, actually some people think he was murdered. Just down the uh, stairs or something like that. Stairs, yeah. yeah. But uh, because he had outed the Jesuits in several of his books, Windswept House, and I think he has a book called The Jesuits, um, Malachi Martin, I believe, said that the, um, the order was given for the Soviet Union to fall, and Gorbachev was one of their puppets. Gorbachev ran to George H.W. Bush, and, and Bush put him up in the Presidio. It was a Catholic stronghold for uh, for Rome, for the Vatican, where Gorbachev could continue to be an insurgent and turn, turn his communism into the green agenda and uh, push for enslaving people into the green agenda. And so um, the Soviet Union was commanded to fall in 1991, and at that time, uh, the Secretary of State was not Baker. I can't remember who the Secretary of State was, but gave assurances to Gorbachev that, hey, look, uh, NATO was here to counter the, the, uh, the Eastern Alliance, the Soviet bloc, the Eastern bloc, and so we promise that we will not expand now that the Soviet Union has collapsed. And as soon as he said that, they immediately started expanding and grabbing all Eastern bloc nations. One of the first ones to come in was uh, uh, old Russian um, arch nemesis of Poland. Poland joins NATO in, like, 56, I believe, to the point where between the expansion of the EU and the expansion of NATO, Russia is now completely and thoroughly encircled. And this is called the strategy of containment, which was created by another papal puppet, Zbigniew Brzezinski. Brzezinski is um, uh, Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. He was the, the Jesuit puppet whispering in the ear of Carter. He's the one that created al-Qaeda. Well, wait a minute. I thought al-Qaeda were the ones that was behind 9-11. I, Wait, oh, wait a minute. That's some, is ISIS, Al-Qaeda? No, well, they're all the same thing, aren't they? <laughs> they're all the same thing. And that's why when any, anybody talks about 
to the Muslim threat, the jihadi threat, if they don't mention the fact that Western intelligence created jihadi threat, then they're either criminally ignorant or they're a sower of disinformation and discord. Zbigniew Brzezinski was a personal friend of John Paul II. There was also a Pole, Carol Wojtola, Cardinal Wojtola, who was eventually installed as, as Pope. And uh, Brzezinski created the whole jihadi threat and part of the phony war uh, in Afghanistan. And you know, people died in Afghanistan. Russians, Soviets died in Afghanistan. Russians died. But it was still part of, a, a part of an overall game. Uh, for, for the Vatican to punish her enemies. And so that's where the, the, the threat of jihad comes from. And I think that there's just enough, there are just enough Russians to actually care that the Russian policies in general are actually healthy to the Russian people. There's nowhere else in the West where the policies of the co-opted, treasonous, traitorous government are healthy to their own people. Right. The, uh, every Western nation have policies that are poisonous, that are, that are draining the people, the chemtrails in the sky, the fluoride in the water, the, the, the watering down of your, your, your buying power. In the United States, the, the worth of the dollar. Um, the the uh, the police state the erosion of our of our of our constitutional rights the immigration everywhere in the world look the oldest trick in the book is for a conquering uh, emperor general to infuse uh, outside immigrants into a po- into a population right to water down the national identity it's the oldest trick in the book yeah and particularly in the West in the UK and France and the United States when you infuse so many uh, immigrants, and particularly Muslim immigrants, basically you have a, a whole massive camp of wild cards of chaos, future patsies for terror operations. Just look up Jamaat ul Fukra, and you'll find that these are terrorist training camps in the United States carrying on under the watchful eye of the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Terror Instigation. Uh. So if you want to pray for a nation, I would say, look, let's, let's pray for the ones that are showing some sort of evidence that they're, they're bucking the, the, you know, the line a little bit. Now, Russia is not the, 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 the bastion of Antonio Order. Well, look, Russian, Russian so-called state media, uh, RT is just as co-opted as all the others. They, just, they cover some subjects that that's, uh, our corporate media don't cover. Right. Um, and I wanted to bring this up with you guys because – you're on top of this, the lie of space exploration. RT is all over the International Space Station. They're, oh, the, the West is hemming in, they're fighting us, they're in Ukraine, and that's exactly what happened. The uh, Western powers overthrew the, the, the legal government of Ukraine as part of knocking on the doorstep of Russia to destabilize Russia. Right. And then RT turns around in every other video on YouTube is this lollipops and daffodils of the, the U.S. and Russian cooperation in space. Right. And well, there are some problems with that, not the least of which is that these pictures never really show what's outside of space. They'll never go through the whole space station. It looks like it's no bigger than, than, um, uh, than an airplane fuselage. Look, it's, it's all a lie. You guys did a great job when you covered the, the flat earth stuff with, uh, with Mark Sargent. Um, space is a lie, and it's entirely possible that that's part of it is that um, there's uh, – there's boundaries that we're not being uh, allowed to know of. And it's interesting that people who've come up with these boundaries, the people who come up with the smoke screen for the boundaries, uh, you know, even names that we revere, like Albert Einstein. I have a picture of Albert Einstein standing next to a Jesuit named George Lemaitre. George Lemaitre is the man who came up with the ridiculous Big Bang Theory, the idea that first there was nothing and then it exploded. 
right. how, how to how to foster um, the, the the further the, the smokescreen of um, you know the disinformation the psyop that we're living in and to keep people from taking the red pill. Yeah, that that space topic is is so Ugh, bizarre. They, they started. Yeah, I mean, I, I recently watched. Uh, there was a collage of videos um, documenting the inconsistencies of uh, the footage from the space station, and um, you know how it's very similar to freefall zero g airplanes, and other footage seems to suggest that there are just people on harnesses in front of a blue screen or a green screen. You know, there's. A, there's a uh, uh, there was a story. I, I was not aware of this until this video, but um, apparently there was a uh, spacewalk where the some liquid supposedly leaked into the astronaut's suit, and you know there's other footage of bubbles. You see bubbles kind of rise up, you know, in space, which seems to suggest that either there's bubbles in space or this is filmed all underwater, and it's just staged as space. And, I mean, that kind of stuff is disturbing. It's like, wow, that's a huge lie, if true. But, you know, I mean, yeah, all you have all... to do is, is get into this in the slightest bit. And, and, and honestly, I, I think you guys are so close to it when you get into, um, okay, the planes of existence are not what we were told. The, uh, the Tower of Babylon wasn't just some cute little tower. It was actually an attempt to break into another dimension as a portal and uh, under the, the, uh, the, the leadership of, of Nimrod. And um, all, all part of the CERN, exactly what you've covered this so many times, and a great job, work, uh, great work, good guns on uh, Face Like the Sun and YouTube. What's really going on in CERN? This is not science. Have you seen the... Um, the opera, the CERN opera. Yeah, Guys, sim symmetry. Yeah. Symmetry. Is that not – and here's what no one notices. As you look at this ballet dancer in the middle of the circle in the salt flats, who is walking around the circle? Like a mag magical sort of uh, – maybe it's a Jesuit? Is that, is a that where you go? Jesuit. <laughs> a magical Jesuit. magical Jesuit in a long, priestly dress. It couldn't have been any more obvious, but if you don't know to look for that, then you don't see it. If you know to look for, as soon as you see somebody who's a key person who's involved in the police state or some, some false flag, immediately look up there. Um, look up their religion, look up their education in particular. Um, there's, I just looking the other day, uh, uh, the two generals, Paul Vallely and Thomas McInerney, um, were on Fox News, good old Rupert Murdoch, Knight of Malta, Rupert Murdoch, I like him blonde, phone news, talking about, um, you know, putting forth the idea that it's, it's those darn Muslims. Later, the two of them went on to um, uh, Rick Wiles' True News and, and, and continued to foster that um, psyop. And I'm not saying that, that jihad isn't a problem. Um, what I'm telling us and our audience and our Christians is, listen, every evil, horrible thing, that jihadis do, the torture, the rape, the murder, they focus on Christians, and it's your tax dollar that's paying for it, and Rome is laughing. So McInerney is going on these programs talking about, hey, listen, the, uh, the, the, the military, he actually, I believe he said this on True News, the military might have to step up and, and depose Barack Obama. Well, it's all part of a psyop. If they do depose Barack Obama, it's to put in a hard Hitlerian type of fascist dictator because Americans have been so frustrated by all the other things that have been going on that it opens the door for their, their hard, hard, I would say 
right wing, it's fake right. Fascism is phony right. It's not true nationalism. That's not what, what uh, patriots really believe. So McInerney, I look at McInerney, he seems to have basically a, uh, a secular education, typical Air Force general. I look up online, there's an obituary for his brother, James McInerney, who's also an Air Force general. And James McInerney, he was a good Catholic Irishman. He went to Catholic Mass at 7 a.m. every single morning. So if you know what to look for, I'm not saying that every Catholic is an insurgent, but I'm saying if you look at these key figures, you know what to look for. Paul E. Valley, how Paul E. Valley is, is given so much airtime on these um, Christian and conservative programs, Paul E. Valley was the superior of Michael Aquino at the time, a major in the United States Army and an expert on Satanism. And Aquino at the time wrote a paper, uh, what was it, Psychological Warfare was the name of the paper. Basically, it was, a, it was a paper on psychological operations, and he wrote it for his boss, Paul E. Valley. And how people don't know that there's this association between the armies, an actual army officer, a uh, pay grade of 04, who's looking into Satanism. Why is he looking into Satanism? Because Satanism is used in trauma-based um, torture to create uh, dis, um, uh, disorder dysfunction, split personality disorder dysfunctions in mind control. And another key aspect in use of torturing people to, to uh, give them courses in mind control, uh, indoctrination in mind control, are narcotics. And you go back and you remember um, uh, t- tune in, turn on, and drop out. You guys remember that at all from history yeah. at all? Yeah. Um, Timothy Leary was a professor at Berkeley who, who made that phrase, immortalized that phrase. Catholic Irishman Timothy Francis Leary, Jesuit educated at Holy Cross, who worked for the CIA. And um, real quick to go back to Vatican assassins, the the CIA was birthed by the OSS. The OSS was created by Irish Catholic Knight of Malta, William Donovan. Donovan was a high trader. All these people, here's the problem, secret societies, people who were in – uh, Catholicism, when, when JFK was, was uh, elected, he promised people that the Pope would not rule over his, um, his administration, and that's part of the reason why he was murdered. But most of these people in these secret societies don't answer to their oaths. They don't answer to the American people. William Donovan, who founded the OSS, answered to Rome. He was a knight of Malta. He was decorated the Order of St. Sylvester by the Pope. His, Hitler's Pope, Pius the Twelfth, and... Um, uh, there were several generals and admirals in World War II on both sides who didn't like to play the game. And World War II, every major war is a game. And when these guys get involved that don't want to play the game, they want to win, they have to get murdered. Uh, George S. Patton was one of the men, one of the greatest American patriots and field generals, who was constantly held back by high Freemason, uh, um, 33rd degree Shriner, Dwight Eisenhower, another high trader. And a um, guy by the name of Robert Wilcox wrote a brilliant book, an outstanding book called Target Patent, and it talks about how the OSS, our forerunners of the CIA, was behind the murder of George S. Patton. They used an assassin by the name of Douglas Bozada. He had a pneumatic gun that shot debris um, and uh, broke Patton's neck. Shockingly, Patton in the hospital started to recover. He was paralyzed, but he started to get better because he was just uh, a tough, tough guy. And um, 
What they did was they leaked information to the Soviet military, the NKVD, the precursor to the KGB, and the NKVD came in and murdered, assassinated Patton. And when you see cooperation between intelligence agencies that shouldn't be there, wait a minute, the, the Soviets, they're our enemy, the, the CIA and the KGB, when you see them working together, that is the calling card of the Jesuits. And before we go, and throw, or before we get off assassins, I want to throw this out in Vatican assassins. When you want to make a statement, guys, you want to go out and protest, you want to go out with the kids and occupy Wall Street or go with the Tea Party, what do you put on to, to, to make sure that people don't know who you really are and you want to make a statement, you want to be anonymous, you want to, you want to stand mask. up? You put on a Guy Fawkes mask, and who was Guy Fawkes? Nobody knows who Guy Fawkes was. Well, Guy Fawkes a Jesuit. He was a Jesuit assassin. Yeah. A Jesuit assassin in 1605, he was part of the plot. Uh, they had casts of gunpowder, part of the gunpowder plot that's in V for Vendetta. The, those whack jobs, the Wachowskis, who wrote both V for Vendetta and The Matrix, the brother-brother-sister team that's, well, well brother-sister no, brother, now. Sister team. <laughs> um, yeah, Larry is now Lana. Um, that's kind of scary, but they, there's a reason why they have this insider information. Every time you put on a Guy Fawkes mask, the Jesuits are laughing because he was a Jesuit assassin in 1605. Remember, remember the 5th of November. What were they trying to do? They were trying to murder Protestant James I and overturn the Protestant government of England by killing half the House of Lords and blowing it up. So every time you put on a Guy Fawkes mask, every time you watch V from Vendetta and go, yeah, yeah, against the New World Order, the people behind the New World Order, the Jesuits, are laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. And you brought up um, Timothy Leary, and you know he's seen as sort of a psychedelics uh, grand poobah, or like the the father of psychedelics, so to speak, in the West here. And you know, yeah, the CIA ties there is, is pretty substantial. With um, you know, he even has ties with uh, Andrea Puharich, you know, who contacted the nine, you know, these alleged nine spiritual beings in uh, the 1950s or whatever. And you know, you look at. Uh, mainstream media and you look for the number nine and it's all over the place and it's there isn't a huge gap between these weird sort of sinister secret alliances with spiritual darkness you know with with contact with spiritual beings and rumors about channeling you know spirits automatic writings those supernatural aspects that you know it seems like they're so far apart you know like all the nefarious activities and all this other uh, supernatural metaphysical stuff, but I mean, it's, it's, it goes hand in hand. It is all tied together. And in fact, um, I just saw this this morning. You remember the clairvoyant Gene Dixon back from the eighties? I don't she was an astrologer. Sounds, sounds familiar. Yeah. Jean Dixon was an astrologer. She was a you know prophetess, a clairvoyant. Did you know that Jean Dixon was taught the black arts by a Jesuit? Oh yeah, you can, you can yeah, yeah. you can look that one. Look up Gene Dixon and, and Jesuit, and that one will come right up. The, the Jesuits look. Um, <laughs> I posted this on your your, your Facebook because uh, I'm, I'm I'm a bit of a geek. I'm, I'm a nerd, and I'm older than you, so I love to go back to the original Star Trek. The original Star Trek was so much fun, and yet it, it, look, it was it was still part of the whole Luciferian game. There's there's nothing yep. special about it, uh, except that they taught these Luciferian lessons in ways that stuck with me as a little kid because I was watching the reruns in the 70s. Um, 
growing up. And there's, there's a couple of different Star Trek episodes that had this idea of, oh, by the way, and I posted on your Facebook, I, I hope you saw it, Basil, that it was in the, uh, one of the Star Trek episodes was, for the world is hollow when I have touched the sky. Right. It's about how we all live in a simulation, and there was a guy who was mind-controlled, he had a little device in his head, and he, and he climbed a great mountain and actually touched the sky, and he shouldn't have been able to do that, and so he was zapped and he died. Right. There's other episodes like um, uh, Wolf in the Fold where Scotty is blamed for, for the mass murdering of uh, Jack the Ripper, who was just this entity that has existed throughout time and floated from planet to planet, just killing and feeding off fear and pain. And then there's an, another episode called Wolf in the Fold, no, called uh, um, The Day of the Dove, where another entity, it puts this Cleons on board the Inter- Enterprise and it locks everybody off and it takes their weaponry away and replaces it with swords because it's feeding off of war and death and pain. And the bottom line is, is that Ephesians uh, 6, of course, is always in play, that we um, our true enemies are spiritual ones, but wait a minute, that's not an, a, an excuse for you to not do anything. You say, oh, I'm, I'm going to sit down and go, no, no, no. If you have a moral compass that works, this should upset you. It should make you get up and take a stand for the King of Kings, the Lord Jesus Christ, and say, hey, wait a minute. If our enemies are spiritual, then we outnumber them because the allies that we have on our side outnumber them two-thirds to one-third because when the devil fell, he only took a third of the angels. That means our allies that that are with us uh, are outnumbering them. That means we need to get off our butts and fight this fight. Right. Amen. And you know that Gene Roddenberry connection with Puharich and the Nine, Roddenberry was one of those people that had extensive contact with uh, uh, Andrea Puharich and uh, was even in contact with the Nine, allegedly, which influenced, um, you know, a lot of the Star Trek series, uh, you know, pretty obvious in the, the one series, Deep Space Nine, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. It's, it's, and, it's pretty and, and it's, obvious. And this entity that, that is feeding off of the, the, the pain and the trauma all throughout the years goes from stronghold to stronghold. And, and I, I personally believe that um, it has settled in Rome, in the Vatican, and with the Jesuits simply because that's who rose to prominence and to power. I don't even know that it, it started with Loyola, or maybe it was behind Loyola, but the bottom line is it's there now. Because they control everything. If you look at, oh my goodness, um, uh, Barroso and Van Rompuy, the two guys behind the EU, both were Jesuit trained. Right. Look at where those guys went to school. That was sickening to me. When I saw that, I, I felt this, this uh, my blood run cold because they're, they're the two big guys behind the EU right now, and they're Jesuit trained too. They right. run it all. Now, I'd like to um, just briefly touch on how this connects uh, with the the big families that we know of, the Rothschilds and the such. Um, and then, you know, a part of your book that I think is the most intriguing part of the title, which is, and how we beat it. And so I'd like to get in that as well. But let's sure. talk about the families real quick. Sure. Well, the, um, 
the Rothschilds are are powerful. They were they were tapped into the power. The the, the myth I don't know how much of the myth is true, is that they had an insider source with the the Vatican's army and Napoleon, and um, there was a runner that, that ran after Napoleon was defeated, and um, the news spread that uh, Napoleon had won, and so there was some selling that the Rothschilds had done to exploit that, and all of a sudden news came back. Oh wait a minute, uh, Napoleon was defeated. So therefore, um, they they made a killing, and so that's how they started their family fortune. They absolutely are a Luciferian family, but they are another group of Jewish front men. They're nothing more than the accountants for the Vatican. And here's proof: whenever you see a name that you have to be careful of, um, you know, you see in Glenn Beck, Fox News, great name that they always like to bring up: George Soros, right. Nazi Nazi collaborator. A Jew who actually helped the Nazis confiscate Jewish property. No one really likes to talk about that. Betrayer of his own people. But everybody knows that he's Jewish. The Rothschilds are Jewish. They might not even be Jewish. They might be Edomites, Rothschild, Red Shield, Esau, Red and Harry. Um, not really necessary to get into it is because they're just propped up there, and they are truly dangerous, but they're not nearly as dangerous as names you've never heard of. Names like Orsini. Breakspear, Aldo Brandini, De Medici. These are names of some of the most powerful people in the world uh, who have intermarried. I believe an Aldo Brandini married a Rothschild in 1975. And an angle coming right now, but I've got a newspaper clipping on it. And you've never heard of these names because they That's are they are paying to stay out of the spotlight. And so, the true enemy of mankind. You can focus on the intelligence agencies. It's a good place to start. Central banks, it's a good place to start. Absolutely, billionaires and trillionaires, simply by the basic nature of, of human nature, is that when you have the kind of money these people, they really are almost reptilians in that they're, they live in a world that is so alien and foreign. They can have whatever their, their evil heart desires, and there's nothing. They're not accountable for anything. And so that billionaires and trillionaires are basically, unfortunately, by human nature, automatically the enemy of mankind. Wow. Uh, it's the names you never heard of or the things they're doing that you haven't heard of. For instance, in 2009, there was a secret meeting in New York City with Oprah Winfrey and Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and uh, Michael Bloomberg. And what was the purpose of the secret meeting? Population control. Really? Population control, and this is Bill the Vaccinator Gates, the guy that's going to genetically manipulate mosquitoes so that they can vaccinate us whether we like it or not. Oh, that sounds like a great idea, Bill. Let me line up. I'll volunteer for that. So this, the secret families is the ones you're not hearing about that you have to worry about. The Rothschilds, yes, they're dangerous, but they're up there as part of this. It's the Jews. It's the Zionists, um, and they actually help. And unfortunately, there are a lot of evil people who have a Jewish background that, that make this uh, a substantive dodge or smokescreen so that you're not looking at Vatican and Rome. And as part of the solution, you guys are part of the solution. And here's, here's what really is important to understand. Don't try this at home. What you guys are doing, what, what we're doing, what I'm doing, the only protection that we have, this is the most dangerous organization, this is the dragon, the only protection that we have is the blood of Christ, the King of Kings, and that's what affords us our asylum. I get into these guys that are trying to track down the pedophilia rings, um, the, the mind control, and these guys that aren't people that aren't saved, right. who are getting into these topics, and I'm thinking, could you be any more suicidal? 
what more could you do that is dangerous? And, and even when we have Christ, the Lord will allow us to be sort of pricked and attacked and maybe even, you know, come down with something. But we will be protected. Everything that happens to us is for our greatest good. And he is the key. It's all written in stone, and here's the great thing. The great thing is, is that the King of Kings, the great chess master, uses their plot against them. We don't know how far they're going to make it. We don't know how far they're going to go. But all you've got to do is love Jesus, get informed, and start making a difference, and you will. And that's how we will turn the tide, is waking people up, getting people to look for these signs, um, the role that Georgetown plays, plays in false flags and 9-11, the role that the Jesuits play, the role secret societies play, Freemasons, Western intelligence behind jihad, waking people up to this. And of course, you've got to be aware of the disinformation. But as people wake up, this, that's why they do it. The definition of a secret society is a group that has to be secret because why? They fear the common people. That's the reason for the chemtrails and the fluoride and everything else. They are desperately afraid of us, of us being awake, of us being active. And as we wake up and as we become active, that's what we turn, how we turn the tide. It says in Scripture, particularly in Revelation, and I believe Revelation 17, talks about Mystery Babylon and what Mystery Babylon is and, uh, and the whore of Babylon. Look, I am absolutely convinced that the whore of Babylon is not America. It is Rome. That if America is anything at this point in time, she's unfortunately the beast. She's being ridden by the whore of Babylon parasitically, they're driving us to do these evil things all around the world. They're driving our own government to do evil things to our own people. That makes us the beast. But you know what the, the good book says, guys? The beast turns on the whore and devours her. So we need to be awake when you have no idea of the, uh, the advent of the Lord's coming, of his return. And um, I absolutely, I'm not into dominionism. Dominionism is something that the Jesuits came up with to sidetrack us, but I absolutely am 100% for living Christ in everything that you do. Jesus Christ is either the king of the world or he's the king of nothing. And that means everything, every, every public school, every public venue. You don't have to hit people over the Bible, but stop being so afraid. You see people like... Um, uh, like Kent Holbein being beat down for being a Christian, and the Jesuits are behind it, Stay, take a stand. Stop playing the game. That Jesuit insurgent, um, uh, Riley, that was just writing for Forbes magazine, he is a Jesuit, Jesuit trained. He wrote the last column he wrote before that decision that was made uh, by that, um, uh, that, that woman judge, um, Cassidy Morgan, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh, the woman judge that, that was previously uh, beaten down Ken Holbein brought her back to beat him down again. The last uh, column that that Riley wrote was, Pensacola has no interest in Kent, in Kent Holbein. Right. Really? So you tested the waters, you found that people weren't aggravated, people weren't angry, and you said, okay, let's beat him down some more. And that's how we fight. We have to get active. And one of the biggest bits of chloroform the Jesuits have created is a pre-tribulation rapture. Absolutely created from Jesuit insurgents Cyrus I. Schofield and John Darby. Um, the, the Jesuits came up with this. The Jesuits came up with praetorism and futurism to distract Protestants from believing that the Catholic Church was the, the, um, um, uh, the Antichrist, the Pope was the Antichrist, and the Catholic Church was the final beast. You look back in time, look it up right now. Anybody go on the Internet, Google is not a verb. Look in your favorite search engine, look up Jesuit uh, praetorism, Jesuit futurism. Praetorism is the idea that we don't have to worry about future prophecy because, oh, it's already taken care of, prophecy's already been enacted. Well, if this is a millennium, I'm not very happy about it. 
<laughs> Futurism is the idea that the uh, the process is going to be fulfilled in a split second. We have no idea what's coming down the pike, and, and there's no organization, the Vatican or Rome, that's, that's going to be there. Previously, the, the Antichrist is going to show up. There's a Jesuit behind that, too. And the purpose is to distract people. The Schofield Bible, Schofield was a, was a, was a, uh, a scurrilous individual who was um, put in jail for check fraud, um, they brought him back out, and his, the heresies that came from the Schofield Bible are uh, the pre-tribulation rapture, very clear, Scripture is extremely clear, read the Bible. Just as in Matthew 24, the Lord Jesus Christ says very clearly, first the tribulation, then the gathering. It couldn't be any more clear. Second uh, Thessalonians 2 tells you, not only will you see the apostasy, you'll also see the man of lawlessness. You are guaranteed as a Christian to see this stuff going on before the rapture. So basically the pre-tribulation rapture is Jesuit chloroform, came out of the Schofield Bible. Another heresy came out of the Schofield Bible is the idea that the Scythians are trace Magog to Russia. So we're all thinking that Russia is going to come and attack Israel, and so as we're watching Russia, we're being distracted from what's really going on around Jerusalem and around Israel. Another um, uh, heresy is dispensationalism. The idea that there's this, and, and honestly, it, it, it pains me to say this, that, that Dr. Chuck Messler, uh, the man who is basically my electronic mentor, I, Chuck Messler raised me from long distance in his teaching, yeah, teaches yeah. all of these these heresies, these Schofield heresies. And unfortunately, uh, it appears that Chuck Messler's Jesuit handler is a guy by the name of Hal Lindsey. Hal Lindsey's great book, The Late Great Planet Earth, was ghost written by Carol C. Clarkson. Uh, a, a, a Jesuit in disguise. Uh, Hal Lindsey was divorced four times. His two god daughters go to Jesuit Gonzaga University, and so these these um, ideologies have insinuated themselves into people that we trust. And, and this dispensationalism that, that Dr. Missile talks about the great chess clock, and the Lord hits the chess clock, and He's only going to work with the uh, the Gentile Church. And and I hate the word church, by the way. I say ecclesia because organized religion is is the the tool of Satan. And then he hits the chess clock, and then he only works with Israel. It's patently absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's several examples of how dispensationalism doesn't work. It's not true. Uh, the, great, the greatest example is the sign of Jonah. What is the sign of Jonah? sign of Jonah is that Jonah is picked as an emissary to go where? To go to, to Assyria, to go to the capital of Assyria and Nineveh, Nineveh right. and, and preach the gospel to whom? To the heathen. To the heathen, and that's why he doesn't want to go, because these are vicious, evil, nasty people. They, they rip open the wombs of the pre pregnant Israelites. They, they skin people, hang their skins on the, on the city-state walls. And Jonah's like, I'm not going to give these, these heathen a chance. We're the Jews. We're the ones that have been safeguarding your gospel all this time. And the Lord was dealing with Jonah, the prodigal son, just like he was dealing with the Ninevites. And so the sign of Jonah, of course, the, 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 the Lord says, that the sign of Jonah is that three days and three nights and, and the great fish, but there's another sign of Jonah, and that is that the gospel will be sent to the heathen and to the Gentiles, to so the non-Jews. And that's a, the first example off the top of my head. There's uh, the, the fact that the, um, uh, the temple of Herod was destroyed. The Lord was dealing with the Jews in 70 A.D. at the same time as he was dealing with the, the, uh, the, um, the baby Christian church at the time. So dispensationalism is, is, is another 
um, uh, basically a heresy. It's certainly wrong-headed. It came from the Schofield Bible. And finally is, is the idea of, well, what role does Zionism play? What role does, does Israel play? And right now out there, guys, there is so much disinformation. There are two extremes on Israel, and both of them are wrong. I'm, I'm convinced that both of them are wrong. The idea that the Jews are behind everything is a smokescreen that comes from the Vatican, that it's the Zionists that traces back to everything is, is uh, the so-called Zionists. That's the one side of the spectrum that's absolutely wrong and satanic. They're setting up the Jews for the next Holocaust. It says in Zechariah 12 that the, the, it's going to be twice as bad as the first Holocaust, the final solution. And the other idea is that no matter what happens, we want political Israel to succeed. Well, that's not true either because Israel is an apostate nation. Israel is the prodigal son, and the prodigal son is not going to come home if you keep sending him money. You've got to pray for the conversion of Israel, and that's not going to happen. It's guaranteed in Scripture. Israel first has to get broken. That doesn't mean we have to be part of the breaking of Israel. It just means you stand back. And we now have people that are feeding the opposite extreme of pushing for the the promotion of political Israel – and not, not the spiritual well-being of Israelis, to the point where we have guys like John Hagee, who is calling into question his, his very salvation, when he writes one of his books, about how um, Israel is not condemned because Christ never claimed to be the Messiah. And yeah. that's how John Hagee says that uh, there's no condemnation on, on modern Israel right now. Wow. So, and John Hagee is good friends with Benny Hinn, so that tells you everything you need to know uh, about who John Hagee works for. So we have to have balance. And listen, what in the armor of God you have, what is it that is the, the piece of armor that controls your salvation? The salvation breast, the helmet. There you go, brother. It's the yeah. helmet of salvation. Got why it. is it? Why is the helmet of salvation? Is because it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that saves, and the relationship is not a thing of the heart. The relationship is a mental, conscious decision to love and to sacrifice, and that's what I tell my. My, my, my friends all the time, and they get into this argument, well, oh, what is really love? You have no idea what love is. Love is, there's, there's a Western psyop in what love is. Love is sacrifice. Love is the cross. That's why arranged marriages have worked in the past, because it is a mental decision to sacrifice. And so we as red pill Christians, we examine the facts. And as we examine the facts, we hold true to what is correct and righteousness, as Paul told us to be good Bereans, to examine the facts. And so that is the key to our success. We don't allow emotion to tear us in one direction or the other. It feels like the Israel is the example. It's all the Jews. The Jews are behind the New World Order. Or it's political Israel. We've got to save Israel against our enemies. Listen, if there's one guy in the world that's going to take care of his own people, it's Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of Kings. He's got it. He's got it in his hands. We can remember our Jewish brethren as the, the, uh, the caretakers of our Messiah, as the caretakers of our gospel. We, we worry about them on a constant basis. We want them to come home, but neither do we want to um, make them so comfortable that there's no reason for them to come home. Right. So there's no balance in the discussion on Israel and the Jews. But there's a lot of disinformation being sown about, for instance, the Jews and the Mossad and the Zionists being behind the New World Order, being behind 9-11. There is no way that the Mossad is behind, solely behind 9-11 where 
is anyone in the United States. Where are the good people in the CIA? Where are the good people in the Pentagon? Where are the good people in politics in Washington, D.C.? Oh, by the way, did you know that Washington, D.C. is a mirror image of Rome? There's two things in Washington, D.C. that look exactly like they do in Rome. There's a massive obelisk that we know as the phallus of Osiris across from the womb of Isis. A rotunda across from the obelisk, and that's in Washington, D.C., and guess what? It's at exactly the same in Rome. That should tell you everything you need to know about who owns our government, who's running things from behind the scenes. And just like you said, Don, the black magic, the paganism, um, the, the, the mysticism of all the past, who is Osiris, Os- Osiris, the, the, uh, the great king, the mythological, the mythological king, who that uh, uh, evil, evil set caught up behind him. Uh, was actually mirroring the uh, what we believe about Nimrod. Um, how Nimrod was uh, the, the, the first. Josephus tells us that he was the first great rebellion leader, uh, and that it was uh, Noah's good um, son Shem that uh, captured him and executed him and cut him into pieces. And and that's part of the reason why, by the way, is that uh, the Luciferians so despised the Jews. And this was supposedly done on the 17th of Tammuz. And by the way, guys, the 17th of Tammuz this year falls on July 4th, so I'd like to stick it to the New World Order. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that to July 4th. But, um, so Nimrod was supposedly executed and cut into uh, some, some legends say 12 pieces, some say more, and scattered across the waters. Could have been, uh, you know, Osiris was scattered across the waters of the Nile. And so his, um, Nimrod's wife, Semiramis, Osiris' wife, Isis, the myth says that uh, she magically impregnated herself with her dead husband. Some myths go into detail about how Dagon the fish god um, found Osiris's, you know, parts, private parts, and helped her to impregnate herself. And really, if there really is anything true about uh, Nimrod and Semiramis, about Osiris and Isis, if there is a truth, then it certainly has to do with her being pregnant outside of her marriage, and who knows how that was done. Um, given what we know about Nimrod and how the, um, his becoming a, um, a gibberim, a, a, a mighty man, it actually says that the, the Hebrew word is Hallel, he, he, that he was um, uh, debased himself to become a mighty man. So what happened, there, there was a technology at that time, that uh, either he utilized or fallen angels utilized to bodily change him into a Nephilim, uh, into a gibberine. And so this may have been what happened to his wife. Uh, she was impregnated somehow and that his offspring, you know, the myth goes that it was Nimrod reborn, it was Osiris reborn, and it be- became Tammuz, it became Hor- um, yeah, Horus. Horus yeah. And um, so... That's all, all part of the myth, and there's, there's a scene I, I absolutely do not recommend any modern movie for, for any good Christian because they're just so filled with crap. But um, there is a scene through the very, very uh, fleshly 300 uh, sequel, 300 Rise of an Empire. Do not watch that movie unless you're extremely well-grounded. It's graphic. There's even graphic uh, sex in it. Um, but there is a scene... That, uh, that I put up on my YouTube, that's part of why I'm constantly getting copyright issues, of um, Xerxes going into a cave in a narcotic stupor and rising out of these golden waters as a Nephilim. 
as a reborn giant and mm-hmm. and I guarantee you that that's part of the technology that they're thinking of in regards to Nimrod and uh, and what we're dealing with and and yes that the, the Jesuits have no problem with using the black arts uh, and, and Bovatsky says so when ISIS unveiled that's because it's it's the incorporeal nature of our enemy. They're riding the Jesuits right now. They're probably going to ride them in through to to the end. And uh, so we're awake, and our uh, our protection is the blood of Christ. Amen. You know, there's there's so many things that I want to tackle. Um, I mean, one of the things I just want to comment on, the Zionist thing that you bring up, I'm so glad you touched on that because it's a topic that I recently got into and got some heat for and stuff like that. But if you go to the uh, Israeli... Supreme Court, there is an area called Dorothy the Rothschild Grove, and there's an obelisk there. So, you know. Oh, you bet. And there's also a painting um, of the, uh, the, the, the original heads that put together Israel at the time. And there's a Rothschild in the painting in the Supreme Court, in the Israeli Supreme Court. Right. Absolutely. Look, the Luciferians are completely behind the birth of the rebirth of Israel. But Okay, so what does that mean? Does that mean that we want to join um, jihadis and Nazis and push the Jews into the into the ocean? No, it just means that they're helping to foment this idea that it's it's the Jews. And look, Israel is here to stay. They're they're going to continue to be a small nation because they're apostate. They're not. Um, recognizing the king of kings or Jewish savior, and they will recognize in due time um, when enough uh, comes to fruition. And, and I'll tell you, guys, the, uh, the Vatican is setting them up for a terrible Holocaust. Another Holocaust is coming. Anytime you get onto a truth-related red pill, anything, channel, YouTube, podcast, that's the first thing that comes up. Uh, and I, it's a shame that I know that um, uh, there's another... Uh, publication Veterans Today that is run by by a guy that that um, is real big onto the it's the Jews and and uh, uses uh, Rebecca as, as a as a source for other Mossad these double agents. Look, there's no way that the CIA is going to be oblivious of the Mossad conducting false flags, and that's what people have to understand. Wait a minute, if the CIA and the FBI are behind, this is a uh, Kennedy. Go back to Kennedy. Both the CIA, they said that poor Lee Harvey Oswald was trying to tell the FBI that, um, that there were plots against Kennedy's life. That would be like telling Claudius that Brutus wants to kill Julius Caesar. And they were both together in on killing Julius Caesar. Hey, yeah, the FBI, guys, guys, FBI, the CIA is trying to kill me. Oh, okay, thanks. We'll take care of you, pal. And, and so how could it possibly be that our own institutions, and by the way, the FBI was created and the OSS was created by Knight of Malta, William Donovan. The FBI was created by Charles Napoleon, Catholic insurgent and agent of Rome, of the Vatican, staunch Catholic, um, board member of the Catholic University of the United States. Um, from its inception, all of our intelligence agencies, where is the NSA headquartered? The NSA is headquartered in the Catholic colony of Maryland. George Calvert Lord Baltimore was the, the Catholic host of the colony of Maryland, was their, their foothold, their toehold in the United States. So there's good reason that the NSA was, was, uh, has their headquarters there in, in the Catholic colony of Maryland. And you ask yourself, how is it possible 
the FBI and the CIA, our own intelligence agencies, are behind some of the most treasonous things you could possibly think of. 3,000 people died. You look at those pictures of those people jumping out of the World Trade Center, and they're on fire, and they're plumbing to their death. Are you kidding me? And people on the inside, our own nation, our own CIA was behind that? At the bare minimum, you knew what was going on, and you put, put your hands up and, and, and looked the other way. But clearly, as you look deeper, there was far more involved. Than that. There was no jihadi that was training. In fact, USA, USA Today, I've got a secular source, a regular source that talks about how uh, several of these hijackers trained at Pensacola, at the Navy right. Flight School in Pensacola. Uh, look, it was all a PSYOP. They put these uh, Wahhabist Saudis in as the front men to make us believe that it was uh, jihadis, and Saudi Arabia was installed. Um, the, 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 the House of Saud was installed, and, and willing collaborators and all of this. But how is it possible that the CIA is behind grabbing American citizens and experimenting on them with narcotics for the purpose of mind control? Are you kidding me? Of murdering American citizens in false flags? You couldn't think of these things. How do you come up with this level of hatred for our own citizens? It has to be that these institutions are run by an outside foreign malignant agency. And my research says that's wrong. Yikers. You know, it's, um, sorry, I keep touching back on the Zionist thing, and I know that it is. It's, it's a very, very touchy subject, and I've gotten a lot of heat for just being critical, but at the same time, I, I'm, my whole message has always been to pray for the Jewish people that are in Israel right now to repent and to turn to Christ, but for some reason that makes me anti-Semitic, you know, because I'm not, like, politically... Uh, supporting the nation of Israel, so to speak, you know, and there's stuff out there that's information that is really incriminating in terms of like, oh, it's all about the Jews doing evil things, and that's not what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm merely skeptical of this, you can say, Darby dispensationalist perspective uh, perpetuated by Hal Lindsey, as you stated, that uh, some people call it the Hal Lindsey hangover, where you know it's it's you know it's like Israel is is you know 1948 prophecy was fulfilled. And this might be blasphemy for some people listening. You know, people might turn it off or whatever. But to me, the restoration of the nation of Israel is, is God's business. Like, God is going to do it. If you read all those Old Testament prophecies that talk about it, it it's talking about the Lord restoring Israel. You know, so it's hard for me to think that – and there's other stuff that's, that surrounds it that says, like, you know, uh, put, a, put in a new spirit, I will wash you clean, things like that. And I don't know that that happened in 1948, you know. So at best, it's kind of a partial fulfillment of prophecy. But also, you know, I'm curious to get your take on some other people's research. You know, Chris White is someone that I really look up to, and I really respect his research. And if you hadn't read his books, uh, False Christ and also Mystery Babylon, it's not uh, incompatible with the Rome thing because it, it really actually is – uh, in the way you describe the, the whole Zionist front, it, it seems to work together. But basically, his research is not based on any sort of, um, uh, you know, it's not based on news stories or, uh, you know, the mainstream media and, and other sources. It's, it's strictly a Bible study. And so I, I really wish people would take a look at it for that, you know, for that reason alone. His research has led him to suggest, and he's willing to be wrong on this, and, and you know, I, I I think he's pretty solid on his interpretation of scripture, but his theory is that the Antichrist will claim to be or present himself to be the Jewish Messiah, and that mystery Babylon, uh, as described in Revelation 17 and 18, 
is actually the city of Jerusalem, the eschatological Jerusalem, not Jerusalem now, but the eschatological Jerusalem, where obviously it's pretty obvious in Scripture the man of sin will stand in the, in the holy place, declare himself to be God, etc., etc. That whole part of it, and um, and he he has several references to where you know the various spices and the gold and the, all the things that are necessary for the the temple. It's the same thing that you read in Revelation 17, 18 as you do back in the Old Testament. I believe it's in Ezekiel. I could be wrong there. Uh, but it's the same objects needed for temple worship. How does that sort of picture or, or possible outcome fit in with, in your mind, you know, just hearing it from me, I, I can't lay out the whole argument, obviously. Sure. Sure. But how does that, you know, could that be a possible way that the, in terms of Rome and the Jesuits, you know, setting up a antichrist figure that is, for the purposes of the world to see a, a fulfillment of it. Because the whole premise behind Chris White's theory is that the reason why he's going to claim to be the Jewish Messiah is because he is going to make it look like he is fulfilling the messianic prophecies. You know, for example, you know, destroying the enemies of Israel. Uh, Daniel, uh, I believe, chapter 11, verses 40 through 45, talks about you know, all these nations surrounding Israel being destroyed by the Antichrist on his way to uh, Jerusalem, where he sets up his tent and all this stuff, you know. So it's a compelling argument because it's, it's a little bit of a different take than your traditional view that, you know, Israel will never fall again and it's, you know, it's, um, it's protected forever and, and all this stuff. Whereas historically, when you look at the Old Testament, I mean, you know, Israel was stopped around a lot, you know, because of disbelief, because of um, turning their backs to God. And things like that. So I just I kind of want to just get your thoughts on that. Sure, sure. And and I agree with you. I, I'm not familiar with Chris's uh, uh, work, and I will take a look at it. And I agree with you that it could very easily fit in. The the Pope, and isn't it interesting that we currently have our first Jesuit Pope? I, right. Jerusalem, the center of Yahweh's u- universe is Jerusalem. So it will be absolutely the key player in end times, uh, uh, eschatological prophetic fulfillment absolutely is, is the place to keep an eye on. Uh, off the top of my head, I would say that Mystery Babylon for me is still the system by which Rome, city in seven hills, and John tells you that the seven heads are seven hills, doesn't get more, much more clear than that, and seven hills the seven hills of Rome is so obvious that it's actually a Wikipedia entry, and we know how easy it is to edit out Wikipedia, so you think, well, wow, okay, pretty well established there anyway, the seven hills of, of Rome. So, um, look, this goes all the way back to the promise to Abraham, and the idea that the Lord will bless those who bless Abraham and curse those who curse Abraham, what is a blessing and what is a curse. Certainly, if you insulate someone from their sins and don't allow them to see their need for a Savior, that's a curse, that's not a blessing. So if you say that you're for political Israel and you do nothing to show them how they're an apostate nation, I was doing some research and I think the um, one of the largest gay pride parades in the world is in Tel Aviv. Yeah, I, that's right. Really? I, come on, it, man. I just said, yeah, there's also uh, there was a law that was passed in I believe 1977 that prevents people from actually preaching the gospel in Jerusalem. Yes, yes, they they absolutely want um, uh, Christians to visit Israel and spend your money there, but don't you dare proselytize. So um, 
Of course, the Luciferians were absolutely key in the rebirth of um, of the nation of Israel, and that's the Lord is sovereign. The Lord is sovereign, and so He sure. had that in His plan. But um, I think it's very important not to get fixated on the role that that Zionists play because they're being set up. They're doing it willingly because they're evil people, but they're they're being set up. So the the system clearly is it's just that it's a system there's the finance of incorporated london london is her own city state there's the slave labor of communist china and the jesuits ruled in china um, and the jesuits created communism and then there's the military might of the United States that is run by 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 jesuit insurgents yeah you, know, you look back on um it pulls up from a, from an old column that I wrote about uh, how we got our, our current uh, Secretary of Defense, um, remember he replaced uh, Ashton Carter as our current Secretary of Defense, and you're wondering, well, wait a minute, Barack Obama, he, uh, oh, he's a, he's a Muslim, right? He's a Muslim and a communist, so he's going to do whatever is good for Islam, but wait a minute, no. He actually is being controlled by Rome and the Vatican. Ashton Carter. Why was Ashton Carter selected? Ashton Carter was educated at St. John's, Oxford, the Counter-Reformation College. Ashton Carter replaced Chuck Hagel. Now, Chuck Hagel is Episcopalian, um, but Episcopalian is Catholic light. Episcopalian is completely messed up. They have their own um, woman archbishop, and they have their um, they have the first homosexual bishop who's been married and now divorced. Uh, Episcopalians are completely run secretly by the Jesuits. The um, one of the play actors at Sandy Hook went to an Episcopalian college. Um, Nicole Hokley was uh, Episcopalian, and uh, she was in, big in acting in college for some reason before she became a, a Sandy Hook bereaved parent. Um, but Chuck Hagel, the Episcopalian, well, he taught at Jesuit Georgetown. How about that? Hagel took over for Leon Panetta. Leon Panetta was an apparatchik from the Clinton administration. Where did he come from? Well, Leon Panetta was educated at Santa Clara, the Jesuit College of the Silicon Valley. He was brought back from the Clinton administration not just to be the Secretary of Defense, but the Director of the CIA. And I believe he was Director of the CIA during the Benghazi debacle in 2012. So all you have to do is know where to look. You look at someone, as soon as you see something, someone that's key, you look at their background, you look at their religious affiliation, you look at their education, and you look at the people in their orbit, and you will almost always see a Jesuit in the woodpile. So I would say let's be very careful. We as Gentile Christians are grafted in. The most important thing about trying to understand prophecy and scripture is humility. You lay it before the scarred feet of Yeshua, who himself is a Jew, He's the king of kings, and he will take care of the apostate nation of Israel in his time. And God, you said it, brother. You said it. I think the best thing to do about Israel is just hands off. They're absolutely key players in the New World Order. They're run by Luciferians. But guess what? Just like Luciferians run everywhere in the West, there's no way that you're going to keep doing these poisonous false flags, these policies, 
Sydney, Australia, Charlie Hebdo in Paris, the uh, influx of the Muslim 77 in, 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 in the UK, that, that you're not going to have people that are purely 100% co-opted traitors that are running these Western nations. They're doing it for the Pope and for the Vatican. So you've got the same thing in Israel. Yes, it's run by Luciferians. Yes, it's the focus of all of this trouble. But the real problem is that final beast, that final dragon that looks like no other, and it looks like no other because it's morphed. It's no longer a political entity like the old Roman Empire. It's a new, secret, subversive entity that they have their own incorporated city. Vatican City is incorporated just like Washington, D.C., just like London. So you've got the Banking of London, the Triad, Banking of London, the uh, the, the communist slave labor in Beijing, and the, the, um, the military might of the United States being wielded or crusades, little crusades, just like George W. Bush said, a crusade slipped out of them. The skull and bones guy, George W. Bush, uh, skull and bones from, from a Catholic William F. Buckley. That, um, you know, the secret societies are how they pull off this high treason. So I would say absolutely. Jerusalem is the center. Israel's run by Luciferians, but mystery Babylon. Now that's the city in seven hills. Mm, okay. Well, I, I, I recommend you read uh, Mr. Babylon by Chris White just because he has good arguments and there, again, there's shows sure. are interpreting scripture arguments, but you know, one last thing regarding Israel that I'd like to do is just read a couple of scriptures. Uh, you got Galatians three, uh, verse eight, where it says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you shall all the nations be blessed. You know, that everyone argues the whole, you know, Genesis 12 thing there. Um, but then, wait, wait, that's easy to answer right now. Just not to cut you off, Gons. All the nations have already been blessed. His name is Yeshua. Amen. He is the seed of Abraham done. The nations have Amen. already been blessed. Amen. Uh, that's, that's really the point I've been trying to make, but uh, uh, I'm an anti-Semitic for suggesting that. Uh, Romans 9, uh, 6 through 8. It is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. So, Amen. And Galatians, I believe it's in Galatians, where it talks about the breaking down of the retaining wall. Yeah. There was a, uh, a retaining wall for proselytes that, could, that uh, Gentile proselytes could not go past the retaining wall inside the temple grounds right. because they were Gentiles. They didn't have the proper Jewish lineage or proper bloodlines. And in Christ are the two, the two have become one. Right, so right. And this is not replacement the theology. I, I want to say that because I will be accused of that as well. You bet. It is not. It is not. And listen, um, I know that uh, that um, Rob Skiba, great guy, great teacher, um, is is being accused of going to the opposite extreme and and, and uh, Hebrew roots and so forth. I think he's got a great point that says that the Jewish religion was created by Yahweh, and and as tradition states that it was dictated letter for letter to Moses. Um, on um, in, in the, for the Tanakh, and the reason for that is because it is it is Yahweh breathed, and on every single page is Yeshua. And so, if you investigate the traditions and the feasts of Israel, and you look deeply into it, you will see Yeshua on every page. So we have to be very careful not to alienate ourselves from our Hebrew heritage, because Jesus Christ is on every single page of the Old Testament. The on the road to Emmaus. 
he taught the two disciples from the Old Testament alone, all about him. So it's important not to alienate ourselves, but it's also important not to go to the other extreme and go to the Schofield heresy of Christian Zionism that ignores the fact that they, Israel is an apostate nation. And so we have to be there for Israel spiritually, and basically the best thing to do right now is just hands off. Don't worry about whether Israel is successful politically, because they're run by Luciferians, they're in on the deal, and um, they're an apostate nation. So we pray for them. The most important critical factor is humility. Right. You walk forward, you ask the Lord Jesus, Lord, please show me the right way to the right interpretation, the right way to go. I know, as it says in Romans 9, 10, 11, we are the wild olive branch. We are grafted in. We have no right, no business thinking or, or, or being proud of, of our salvation because we were never in the plan. That was part of the mystery the angels longed to, to see into is that, that heathen, Gentile heathen, would be invited to accept the scripture, the sign of Jonah. So we always walk forward in humility, but in sad humility for our apostate Israeli brethren. Sure. Sure. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up Jonah because uh, Dr. Future had actually used that story of Jonah to demonstrate the hands-off sort of model uh, because, you know, the, the people on the boats that, that were carrying Jonah, they wanted to help Jonah because they knew he was a prophet of God, but it wasn't – and he, they were really reluctant to throw him off, basically, but they did. And when they did, that's when God's plan went into effect and, and you know, Jonah – you know, Dr. Bennett's got it right, and, and he and I are kind of kindred souls right now because the, with what our projects did, he, uh, with his project, um, questioning Christian tradition in regards to Israel and, and me with my project, um, we both had to go through uh, publishing our books by, our, by ourselves, and so we sent some humorous emails back and forth to each other about, hey, first one to get, <laughs> first one to <laughs> surmount these challenges and get past these brick walls, you know, wins. Uh, but uh, Dr. Bennett did, did an excellent job in, in making people question themselves without, and, and that's, and back to the helmet of salvation. The first thing that folks want to do is when they sow disinformation, they want to appeal to emotion. Right. They throw out words like anti-Semite or, or Zionist. Either one is supposed to evoke um, uh, an emotional reaction that disconnects you from your brain. Do you, do you think that's an actual controlled sort of thing? I mean, I mean, it goes back to the Holocaust, and I don't want to get too far into it because we're running out of time, but uh, do you think that just the Holocaust itself was sort of – used, you know, perhaps even by the Jesuits as knowing that it's going to be a very, you know, emotionally driven, charged thing. And now the word anti-Semitic is almost like a weaponized word. Thoroughly used. It's, it's like a, a gyroscope that's in balance. And the Jesuits constantly push the gyroscope out of balance with these assaults. Um, it's, it's, it's Zionism versus um, uh, you know the pro the pro Christians for Israel and so forth. They use this emotionalism to keep toppling the gyroscope out of balance. And I, they also unfortunately do despise the Jews. Jews and Christians were the premier victims of the um, the Inquisition, and the Inquisition lasted centuries. It wasn't just over in uh, a short period of time. It lasted for centuries, and that's why the Jews are being set up right now for another Holocaust, uh, as are, unfortunately, Muslims being set up, and as are Christians, Protestant Christians in America. They're all, we're all being set up.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.